We never know where life will lead us or what may hinder us along the way. But while every day can feel like one big question mark, it doesn't have to. With the right insights, strategies, and solutions from Western and Southern Financial Group, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, we're going team by team. I would be very careful by sling and stuff. Am I going to get sued? Is that legal on this? Yeah, I like football. I like football season and all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. I'm working on a Tuesday here, Sam. Mm-hmm. I usually just take Tuesdays off. I don't do anything. Right. But here we are. You never know who's going to show up on the PFF NFL podcast. No, it's to the grindstone. Yeah. Yeah. Taking time out of my real job to be here. But um, it's important because we're going to fix every team in the NFL starting today. Turns out you should probably keep track of who's uh, on vacation <laughs> the same week. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you might end up having to do all the shows. Renner, are you on the show tomorrow? No, I'm at the beach. Yeah. On vacation. Uh-huh. Middle of draft season. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Is he on another reality show? Is he? I'm not even going to. We're not even going to hypothesize. No. But we said, look, it's a great time for our Fixing Every Team in Five Minutes series. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to fix every team in five or so minutes. Yeah. If this is your first go around of the series, the five minutes thing is very much a guideline that will be ignored after the first team. This started two years ago. Uh, We said, let's do that. We're going to do this quick hitting. We're literally just going to take five minutes and assess a team. And then we got down this rabbit hole of like, let's go into the Dolphins quarterback situation and what they should do. I said, all right, we're we're in here. We, we were going to knock out 16 teams on that sh- particular show. We, ju- we decided to just do eight yeah. at a time. After half an hour, we just got through Miami. Yeah. So that's what we've decided. We're going to do eight teams at a time. So today's the AFC East and the NFC East. We always have a little uh, East Coast bias because there's more fans there. Wow. You just came out and said it. Straight yeah. said it. Yeah, that's what we... Radical candor here on the PFF NFL podcast. We're not on the East Coast. We, we're Eastern time. Somehow, yes. We're we Eastern are. time. Eastern time zone has more fans. More, more people are, are interested, huh. including here in Cincinnati. We're Eastern time, even though we're central, centrally located. Ish. Yeah. So anyway, you ready to uh, have some fun? Sure. To get into it? So let's do it. We're going to fix every team in five-ish minutes. We're going to talk about off-season plans uh, draft capital and money and what they should do. There were a lot of people giving you praise yesterday for uh, fighting through the pain and, you know, your flu game. You, you were right there looking like crap, sounding like crap. Yeah. Yeah, and people were like, hey, I don't know I sounded that good bad. Good for Steve. Do I sound a through. little better today? <laughs> good for Steve fighting through what is obviously some sort of hideous illness right now. Yeah. Yeah, kudos. Got to fight well through it. Thank you. Thank you. Also, by Do the I way, sound better today at least? You sound all right. I definitely I didn't, didn't bring the same energy yesterday. I apologize yeah. for that. We last push for the uh, the podcast charity drive, number eight, rugby skills. We've raised 20. I need to update the tally. We're over 20 grand anyway of stuff that we've raised for various good causes yep. for this charity drive. We are $135 away from our goal 
at which point Steve has to dress up in rugby gear and try and replicate rugby skills as sent to us by professional rugby players and probably in a venue that looks quite professional. So there's a lot of professional elements here wow. and then Steve. So well, I think this is a thing you should try and make happen and we need $135 to make it happen. Uh, the GoFundMe is on my pinned tweet at PFF underscore Sam. All donations gratefully received. Please get us to our goal. We have people in the chat asking for two and a half hours per team. Yeah, that's What if we did that? We just did like full war room. That's just the off season. Yeah. We'll have to. We'll do 32 shows, one per team. I mean, we might have to at this point if we're going five days a week through the entire off season. We might have like to. At some point, we'll be, we'll be in that kind of groove. <clears throat> I just want to apologize in advance if for any redundancy. If we tell every team, get the best receivers, get the best corners, sign Will Fuller as a, as a deep threat, oh, there might be some redundancy here. Sign Morgan Moses or Ali Villanueva. Be great. The two greats. So, apologize in advance. But a lot of people just click to their team and they don't even know that we've given everybody the same players. Do you know what Ali, the great Ali Villanueva was doing during the Super Bowl? Playing rugby? Nope. What? He was part of, I think it's the, is Fox's, Fox, is that Deportes of Telemundo, which is the... Deportes, probably? He was, I think, he was part of the Spanish language broadcast. For the oh, really? Bowl. Yeah. Oh, good for him. That's awesome. I thought you were going to say, like, defending our country or I mean, saluting the flag that well, or something like that. I know for a fact that he was part of the Spanish language broadcast because I saw that somewhere. That's fantastic. Well, good for Ali. That's why he's the great. All right, let's get into it. And when we say fixing every team, look, everybody needs fixing, even the Chiefs. They just need an off-season plan. Everybody does. So let's start. AFC East, the Buffalo Bills coming off a season when they were the favorite to mm. go to the Super Bowl for a lot of people. Little disappointing finish with a divisional round loss against the Cincinnati Bengals. So, where do the Bills need to start this offseason? Not a ton of free agents on either side of the ball, but you're trying to beat the Chiefs. You're trying to get past the Bengals now. What do the Bills need to do this offseason? A lot of the buzz is around that number two receiver spot where maybe Gabriel Davis wasn't the guy opposite Stephon Diggs. So, what are you looking at here for the for the Bills? Yeah, it's funny. All of a sudden, what was unquestionably the best roster in the NFL heading into the season actually looks like it's got quite a number of problems. Like you say, all right, they never really found that secondary receiver opposite Stephon Diggs. Way too much of the offense worked through Diggs or Josh Allen, nothing else. Um, the pass rush was great for a month, and then Von Miller got hurt, and then it wasn't great. And in fact, any, the... It's very easy to sort of draw a line and say pre-Von Miller and post-Von Miller. But honestly, it had been slowing even with Von Miller in the lineup and wasn't what it looked like right at the start of the season. It was sort of heading backwards anyway and then really went into overdrive once they lost Von Miller. So all of a sudden, the pass rush wasn't as good as we thought it would be. And then the secondary has been banged up a lot. They've dealt with a lot of injuries. Obviously, the DeMar Hamlin thing further just adds to that. But And then... Their linebacker core is a free agent, like collectively. Um, so now you're looking at this and saying, there's actually quite a lot of remedial work needs to be done to this team. Yeah, look, the foundation is good. We thought that maybe the offensive line was the only weakness here. They're, they're going to lose Roger Saffold at left guard. But you still might want to upgrade either guard spot, maybe even right tackle where Spencer Brown was. He's heading into year three. Um, so there are some questions, I think, on the O-line. Do you think the story is receiver I mean do you think the Bills are sitting here you know <clears throat> not that they're going to go get DeAndre Hopkins and we're going to probably talk about Hopkins for every team that's contending right 
not necessarily that they're going to go get Hopkins, but do you think they're really going to say, look, we do want to get that next big playmaker? That is one of the big offensive priorities. Or do you feel like they're they're good enough with Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Khalil Shakir, who uh, you know showed a little bit down the stretch there as a rookie? Isaiah McKenzie's back as a slot receiver. Are they going to make a splash play as a, for a pass catcher, or is it or is it a year of just shoring up foundational? offensive line linebacker core like you're saying i don't know that they can make a splash play based off the the money that they have like they are in the hole for effective salary cap space obviously you can free up some um some cash move some stuff around but i don't know that they're a team that's gonna be that that has the ability to be free spending like they they're gonna need to make some decisions and as you said that starts with um that starts with their own free agent. Like they have, uh, they have Tremaine Edmonds um, coming up uh, on a coming up as an unrestricted free agent. Jordan Poyer, I think, is an unrestricted free agent. They've got some pretty important players um, coming up. For some reason, in my brain, I thought Milano was as well, but he's not. Yeah, it's AJ Klein um, as the other as the other linebacker. Right. Milano's good. So Tremaine Edmonds, I. Do you want to resign him if you're the Bills? He is no, coming off a career year. Don't want it. That does tend to project better than maybe the previous three years for a linebacker. But I don't know if that's where I want to want to spend that money. I no, I wouldn't. I look. These are the decisions you have to make when you're cash strapped and you have a giant sum of money tied up in the quarterback. At some point, you're going to have to let some good players go or take a chance that you can replicate what they were bringing you. There's too much bad from Tremaine Edmonds' tape over his rookie contract for you to give him what I assume he wants in terms of market-leading money for a linebacker, given his age, given the year he just came off. And I'm not even saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying I wouldn't want to be the team that gives him that if I'm Buffalo and, you know, the restrictions that they're going to have to make with that uh, money. I, I'd let him walk, and I think I'd probably let Jordan Poyer walk as well. Yeah, so they've uh, – they remember they had all the injuries in this, uh, at safety in the secondary in particular, but safety – uh, last year and then the DeMar Hamlin stuff down the stretch so it does seem like they've been trying to add youth at that position uh, at safety in general so I could see Poyer walking at this point in his career even with Edmonds do you just go like a uh, free agency there's guys like Drew Tranquil or Alex Singleton who are not big names whatsoever but at least on our top top 100 free agent list I feel like you don't want to spend the big money for Tremaine Edmonds we have see we have him 17th on our free agent list overall so I do think you want to get more of the um, Jermaine Pratt's or Alex Singleton's of the world in there and just kind of like fill a spot at linebacker. That's not a knock on Jermaine Edmonds. I just don't want to pay him that huge money. I want my money going to the next receiver. Now, we did have a suggestion in the chat. In the, it's, it's easy to just look at the free agent list and say, well, our top receiver is Jacoby Myers. Let's put him on every team. He's not an elite receiver. He's a great route runner. He's an excellent number two. But, and I think he'd be a great fit for the Bills, but at that price where we're projecting him to maybe make $15, $16 million a year, it doesn't feel like that's the type of money you want going to Jacoby Myers as much as that would be an awesome compliment to Stephon Diggs. Yeah, I mean, the the bottom line for Buffalo is you're starting to look at what they have in cap space and players that they need to re-sign in draft capital and saying this might actually have to be quite a quiet offseason for Buffalo and relying on young players <clears throat> on the roster taking a step forward, like that may be their biggest areas of growth is not new acquisitions, not splash plays, but 
having hopefully a good draft and then relying on players that they already have in the building taking a leap. What about a Michael Thomas at the right price? We're expecting him to get released by the Saints. He hasn't been officially released or anything. What right? even is that price at this point? I mean, he was making a ridiculous amount of money in the right. in the twenties. Is there a bargain to be had with a Michael Thomas? Because yeah, as as the uh, as the possession guy, opposite Stephon Diggs. I mean, there when is. we're talking splash plays, that could I mean uh, splash moves that could be. I it. Have, I just don't know if they'd be able to afford that. I have no earthly idea what Michael Thomas's contract demands would be based off the last couple of years of his NFL career. Like he was as good as any receiver in the league before he got hurt, and then getting hurt has cost him the majority of the last couple of years. And now you're like, well, his own team is probably going to cut him. What the hell does that guy ask for in free agency? How hot is his market? I mean, it's not a good free agent group, right? So if you're in any way, shape, or form convinced that Michael Thomas is healthy, he's by far the best receiver available. So does that mean he gets top of the market money again? Or are teams like your foot thing was such a problem we're so scared by that you're getting like pennies on the dollar. I've I've no clue where he lands in that spectrum. I would investigate for sure. I would absolutely investigate. Um, so I would investigate Michael Thomas. I think DeAndre Hopkins is certainly going to be out of their out of their range because you can't pay two guys twenty four plus million dollars. That's what we're getting. Uh, that's what Stephon Diggs is getting. It's one of those things too. Like I love Dawson Knox as a player, but when you start to see that he's on thirteen million for four uh, thirteen million a year for four years feels like I'd rather that money going to a receiver what about in the dra- the back end of the the first round in the draft they pick at number 27 overall that's where just looking at the PFF draft board you've got Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State the receiver at 20 on our board Zay Flowers the receiver from BC is at 22 right now Zay Flowers might be a common pick for them back into the first round uh, Tank Dell from Houston has coming off of all that buzz at the senior bowl as an explosive undersized receiver is that a deep threat that you might want to get into buffalo he's at 37 now on our board i feel like receiver is definitely going to be in play josh downs is another guy that's shifty and explosive maybe if the bills even traded down from 27 um they have they have only seven picks i mean only that's what you're allotted but seven picks in the draft sorry six picks in the draft right now 2023 Maybe you trade down a little bit, grab a Josh Downs from North Carolina, early second, pick up a few more picks. Why would you want more picks if you're the Bills? Because they they need cheap options, right, during this Josh Allen era. They need some other cheap options to uh, afford them the opportunity to make some splashes, I think, uh, on the perimeter where they might need to in the next couple of years. I think they're also reasonably well positioned to be able to, you know, take best player available. Like we said, they have quite a lot of needs at this point, or at least areas that you could strengthen and – I don't think they need to be going. We definitely need that second receiver. For start, I think there is an element to say I would be quite optimistic in what Khalil Shakir can do in that offense next year. Now, I wouldn't want to bank on that going forward. Like, they banked on that with Gabriel Davis this year, and it didn't really work out, right? Not that Gabriel Davis didn't have a good year, but he didn't take a giant leap forward like maybe they were projecting and, you know, do some of that heavy lifting opposite Stephon Diggs. Now, can Shakir do that? Maybe. Um, I don't know if you want to roll the dice two years in a row that that's going to happen. But if that was the situation they were left in, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. But they also have needs on the defensive line at linebacker if Edmonds leaves at, you know, in the secondary. They can basically sit at the bottom of that first and just take wherever the value is. 
So take the best player in the draft. Always a good strategy. We've t- discussed that before. The other uh, free agent that, I, as I look at our list, that I might want to give everybody is Will Hernandez, coming off a career year at guard for the Arizona Cardinals. Signed a one-year deal last year with Arizona. He's 80th on our free agent board. Is he a guy you could bring in, left guard or right guard, maybe upgrade? And uh, knowing that offensive linemen do get better year four, five in that range, maybe take advantage of Will Hernandez and, and his development there. So I think the when we fix every team, it's not going to be a ton of – we're not going to fill every hole in the depth chart. But I think I think they have to explore the receiver market, whether it's Michael Thomas and see if you can get him on the cheap. There's probably some receiver talent in the back end of the first, early second, if they trade it down a little bit. I try to accumulate a few more picks to build that depth on the roster to give them some flexibility going forward. And it's going to be that second wave of free agency, I think. If they're going to fill a couple of those holes, I'd rather do that second wave on the offensive line at linebacker and maybe even at safety for Jordan Poyer and Poyer was like a great bringing in Poyer and Hyde a few years ago Mm -hmm. fantastic work by the Bills just go and do that again yeah I I, Jordan Poyer has been a great player for them I wouldn't want to take anything away from him but I think again those are the kinds of decisions you tough calls you have to make financially given when you like when you're carrying a Josh Allen contract and I think that Buffalo defensive scheme it's tricky because I think it's quite safety friendly, which yeah. doesn't mean the good safeties can't also enhance it and be playing well within it. Like Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer have been great within that scheme, but I also think quite a lot of safeties would be able to perform well within it, and therefore you don't want to give them a ton of cash. We got a we have a strong no to Will Hernandez from the chat. I understand, but he's getting better. He's getting better. Have we fixed the bills? Sort of. What defines fixed? How do we, how do we, uh, what's our definition of done here, to use my uh, product managing term? I don't know. It's tough. I mean, there's only so much you can do when you have no cash and no, <laughs> no spending let's, room. Let's discuss running back really quick for the Bills. Uh, yeah, we were talking fine. to our, what? They're fine. I was, we were talking to our friend Greg Cosell at the, uh, at the Super Bowl. We were talking about how much they rely on Josh Allen, something we talked about a ton here. And he said, yeah, he agrees. Like, they need to do something else. Do they, do they want, do they need more of a bell cow back? Devin Singletary's a free agent. Do they want more of a bell cow with James Cook as the change of pace to take the pressure off Josh Allen? Do they even pursue? Will they go that route this year and say, we need to run the ball more? And even though we're talking receiver, because we're always going to, they're actually going to think running back. Think about a Saquon Barkley. Think about a Josh Jacobs at the top, or even that next tier, the David Montgomery types of free agents. I don't think they need a bell cow. I think this is an offense that isn't going to run the ball a ton like they pass the ball by design they run the ball a little bit with josh allen to you know offset or augment what they do in the run game they have stable of running backs that are effective i don't think they need to go and get you know a jonathan taylor and plug him in and go right the whole thing changes now we're gonna ride this guy no they're like they're fine should they go a little bit more the chiefs route and actually go beyond just creeping back toward average on the offensive line should they really try to improve on the offensive interior, on the line, in the interior of the line, and then that improves the running game, and that's what takes the pressure off Josh Allen. That could be another route. We, another person in the chat suggested Osiris Torrance, the guard out of Florida at 27. I think that'd be great value for him, the best guard in the draft. Do they go that route and say, all right, we need the line to be better. We can't have that be a weakness again. Yeah, I mean, I think they can have some reasonable expectations that the line will not be as bad as it was this year. Um, 
I think what we saw was the kind of downside of just trying to get average across the board is what if collectively your average players have down years together. Now all of a sudden your line went from average to pretty crappy in a hurry. I, I, that probably doesn't happen next year, right? The, the collective either hits the middle of their, their baseline, in which case you probably got an average offensive line, or maybe you get some sort of, you know, balance of it and you get some good players and bad players. I, I certainly wouldn't be against, you know, throwing a few bodies at that offensive line and seeing if you can upgrade a couple of spots but I don't know that they necessarily need to go crazy with it. Feels like an offseason where it's going to be uh, draft-centric and second wave of free agency here for the Bills. I think they're fixed-ish, right? They're all going to be fixed-ish. We're just talking through the possibilities. The PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by the Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. I like this. Next year it'll be, you know, fixing-ish your team in five minutes-ish. There's a lot of issues in this show. Yeah, I mean, when you sit on the fence. I mean, I don't want somebody to come back and say, you didn't fix my team. We gave you some options. Mm. We gave you some options. Um, some serious stuff is happening right now. Um, trying to figure out roommate for the combine week here. Yeah. And my preference is, I've got you third. Would you, third after we were roommates I, at the Super Bowl for a week, would you? Uh, Mike Parker. Okay. You know what? I'm going to flip you ahead of Rick because of his snoring. Right. That wouldn't matter. Right? Yeah. That's not a good Actually, I'll, so I'll say Parker, Sam, Rick. Okay. Still, Final still order. That's Do you want to room with me at the Combine after a week living together at the Super Bowl or, you know? If you're, a, you're a fairly harmless option so i think it's a good one yeah. right that the you just have to deal with my alarms it's like the yes the the multiple multiple snooze buttons the it's like the you know the magic box thing what could you have well yeah. for me it works the other way it's like what what could be in the box something horrific yeah you don't want to have a bad right a bad there roommate. could be something terrible in the box whereas you're at least fairly harmless as a roommate other than the million snooze alarms all right uh parker's the safest he's in bed by nine He's up early, like. Well, don't you feel? Don't you then ships feel, in the night, Mike and I. Don't you then feel bad, you know, coming in at night? After a little he's bit. He's also a light sleeper, so right. when I come in at three in the morning, uh-huh. right, it's it's tough. Right. And I'm only out, I'm just out networking. That's you know, what just I'm out saying. Hanging out. I would feel bad, but if you don't have a conscience, that's that's fine. Yeah, maybe you're the best option. <laughs> maybe I'll flip it. Yeah. But Parker's Parker's pretty safe there. He's okay. uh, like ships in the night. During the uh, combine. All right, let's go to the Miami Dolphins. That has a different meaning. I'm not sure you want to be throwing around like that. Right? You're just passing in the night. Passing in the night? Forget yeah, it. Yeah, but, but ships in the night is Then take also, it back. We'll just cut it out of the show. We always that, do that. That is a metaphor also used to describe a one-night stand type of tryst. You know? Oh, no, we don't want that at all. I mean, you're a married <clears> man. <throat> just saying, you probably don't want to be putting that out there. Can we talk about the Dolphins, please? Sure. I apologize. The Miami Dolphins. How are we going to fix the Dolphins here? Coming off of... Uh, a playoff season, I think the first question is going to be like, they're definitely rolling with Tua going forward. Do you have do you do you have some Tua insurance? Um, as far as free agents go, Raheem Mostert at running back, Mike Gesicki at tight end, uh, Alandon Roberts at linebacker, bunch of backups, but there's really not much else. There might be some movement at corner, you know, if they want to move on from uh, Byron Jones or Xavier uh, at, at this point, but. 
What are, we, what are you looking at for the Dolphins? I think the two questions, the first one. Yeah, I mean, you. I don't know if they need insurance necessarily. Like, theoretically, Teddy Bridgewater is supposed to be that guy. I don't think they ever expected to be in a situation where they needed Skylar Thompson to lead them anywhere. Teddy's back on the free agent market. They had they signed right. him to a one-year, $6.5 million deal. But that feels like a deal you could re-up, right? Or somebody of that caliber. Like, sure. You Gardner Minshew. Right. You need some kind of capable potential backup. I will say, though, that the, the Tua narrative has kind of gone into weird places. We went, <clears throat> we went from everything happening to now all of a sudden people are like, oh, he should never play again. Like, we need to, like, for Tua's own sake, he needs to be kept out of the game for the rest of his life. They're like, okay, look, we were right there with everybody else saying you need to shut the guy down for a period of time after this sequence of rapid concussions, which we will term three, even though the NFL officially claims it's only two. Um, so we calling the back injury uh, a concussion? That's what we're calling it, yes. So three concussions in fairly quick succession is a problem, and that I think should lead to an extensive period of being shut down. But it did. He spent exactly, I think, pretty much exactly five weeks in the protocol, and now he's going to have the entire offseason doing not that, right? So theoretically, that is exactly the amount of time you need. Now, from what I understand, medically, even three concussions like that back-to-back-to-back does not automatically mean now that you're going to be more prone to concussions going forward as long as you've had that downtime to shut down, get out of it, and kind of stop the problem, as it were. There may be lasting, um, like it may have an impact. I'm not saying it didn't, it was harmless, but I don't think it automatically follows because he had those three concussions back to back to back. Now he's a concussion prone mess, and you need to, you can't rely on him going forward. Like he's back to being Tua, which is a guy that was absolutely cooking within this offense. And the only concerns are the residual ones of the guy's tiny. We've seen that he can be ragdolled. He does have a tendency to take some hits that he shouldn't take. How can we fix that? And apparently, he's trying to fix it by taking judo lessons. I would also work on it from a you know team level and say, let's keep working on the offensive line. Let's also possibly see if we can coach him to not take as many ridiculous hits and see if we can work on this thing from both ends. So two is going to be their guy going forward, right? Yeah. There's not going to be this dabbling with like a Derek Carr or anything. They're not going to I don't know. look at other potential starters, right? So two is the guy going forward. I do think you want to bring back a Teddy Bridgewater. I think is Gardner Minshew a free agent as well? I mean, you just want to make – I would want to make my backup quarterback strong. I think you have to hedge a little bit, not just because of the concussions. Tua has multiple years of an injury history here. As and, far as the offensive and line – many different go, injuries. Different, <laughs> right. I mean, going back to Bama, right? So when we talk about players being slight and injury injury prone – I think you have to look at the actual injuries, not the, not the body type. Like I think people are going to lean into Lamar Jackson maybe being injury prone because he's been hurt the last two years, but that was the first time in his career that he's really been hurt. Tua has been hurt going back for a while now. So got to get better there. Dolphins only have five picks. They, got, they lost their first-round pick, right? So there's only going to be 31 first-rounders. Only little 31. A little bit of tampering. Yeah, a little tampering. So the, their first pick's not until 52. They have five total picks. Um, they had been doing a really good job of, of building up that draft capital, which is why they don't have a ton of free agents right now, right? They do have a bunch of players currently under contract. I think the offensive line is the first thing to look at again, right? Last year, they did do a great job getting Teron Armstead, 
getting Connor Williams, moving him to center. But when Teron Armstead got hurt, over and over again, things fell apart. Offensive line-wise, the offense was still good enough. And then the right tackle still Austin Jackson. He heads into year four of his rookie contract. I think they need to start it. I would, I would find someone to compete at right tackle and the best swing tackle in the NFL. <laughs> right? Get, get the best swing tackle you can for uh, Teron Armstead Insurance. Yeah. I, I found this year's Ali Villanueva, Morgan, Bo- Morgan Moses. It's not still Morgan Moses? Morgan Moses? No, Baltimore was very shrewd and locked him up for an extra year. Oh, so he needs to be a free agent. Yeah, right? yeah. This year is right. like free agent I'm going to give to every team at right tackle. Okay. It's number 73 on the PFF free agent list, Kelvin Beecham. And Kelvin Beecham's been one of those guys for me before. A perfect uh, stopgap starter, don't have to deal with uh, developing a rookie type of guy. He was He made... What was his cap hit last year? One point, two point four million last year. One point six the year before. So for a top twenty using PFF WAR, top twenty tackle last year. He's been in the top forty over the last few years. Kelvin Beecham would be an upgrade over Austin Jackson at right tackle on the cheap. And Miami should pursue that. The the insurance for Teron Armstead, I think, is an important point because they're paying Teron Armstead. Teron Armstead, an absolute fortune. I think he played 65% of the snaps or games or something last year or something like that. You basically have to budget the idea that a quarter of the season he might not play because of injuries. Like, what was the list by the end of the season? He was on the injury list with everything. Yes. All parts of his body were broken at this point. I mean, it's a lot like Tyron Smith with Dallas. Yeah. If, if, you, if, a guy, if, if, if they get through the season, it's more of the story. Right. Right. If they play a full 17 games so you basically have to budget that he's going to miss a quarter of the year and while he's there i mean ben stockwell put it like you have a 75 percent chance that you're going to have one of the biggest upgrades in the offensive line you could have in any given game in the season which is basically what you're talking about here but you probably need to make sure that the other 25 yeah. percent is not an absolute train wreck which it was every time they had to go to it last year that's the one thing I haven't properly calculated when we do all of this stuff is like, it's easy to say, give me the big name player. He's better. But you're literally saying I, him for 12 games versus like, say, a Kelvin Beecham yeah. for 17 or and a Morgan I'm, Moses who never misses time for 17. Right? Kinda, Who's a, they're, they're lesser players. I'm kind of surprised that he got literally top of the market, sort of no, you know, no obvious impact of that in his contract, given that, given that you – it's not like, you know, every – there are a lot of players that injury is a gamble left or right, but he's, I think, never made it through a full 16-game season. Or if it was, it was once. <clears throat> he's only played 1,000 snaps once. Like, he's always going to miss several games, which is, you would think, has to factor into contract negotiations. All a right. couple tackles in the draft available. Yeah, it has to, yeah. obviously. Let me, let me go back, right back to the start. We're going we're gonna to actually give some concrete solutions here, right? I, just, I gave one. You, you did. You I gave one. No, you could come up with one. Well, no, no. I want to read you the list. So who is your favorite backup quarterback of the available oh, unrestricted perfect. free yeah, agents? Yeah. Baker Mayfield, yep. Sam Darnold, Jimmy G, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Mason Rudolph, Jacoby Brissett, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, uh, Andy Dalton, Mike White as a free agent, Blaine Gabbert, Chad Henney's just retired, so not him, Nick Mullins, Drew Locke, Josh Johnson, Give him a chance to redeem Always himself. Bring, has Josh Johnson ever been a Dolphin? Almost certainly. Let's put him on the Dolphin. He's got to have been everywhere. No, right? I think he's got like 12 teams he hasn't been a part of. Let's find out. 
Oh, come on, dude. Um, I think Andy Dalton on that list. I don't think Jimmy G's a backup. I think he's going to get a starting job. True. And someone else you mentioned might get a starting job. So I would say, I think I'm out on Baker. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in on Baker as a backup. Well, which is the which is the question? Baker or Andy Dalton? He, Josh Johnson has never been on the Miami Dolphins. And then you get Josh Johnson as the third string because he needs to he needs to explore South Beach. He needs to be in Miami. It feels like I mean, if not, he could go to the he should be in the XFL right now. Yeah, for sure. You see, Paxton Lynch got benched already in the XFL. I heard that. He's yeah. now been benched in three separate leagues. Have we congratulated Bruce? They won, by the way, right? The Battle Hawks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. They were down, they were down 12, like a minute and a half left, and then won the game. And he because, led the comeback. Because of the XFL's rules. OC, Brad, uh, Bruce Gradkowski led the comeback, much like in 2008 as a Raider leading the comeback against the Steelers. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to them. Absolutely. So uh, give me one of those Baker Mayfield or, <laughs> one uh, of those. or Andy Dahl. Give me one of those backups. <laughs> I think they're at the point where they'd be better, they would want to invest like $10 million in Dalton. Because Dalton's probably the guy that gets $10 million as a backup. And I'd the quite, Dolphins are the most likely team to invest that much money in a backup this year. I'd quite like to see Baker in that offense sitting for a while on the bench and then coming in. When, yes, we need something. Tua gets hurt. Need something to save Baker's uh, career here. I mean, look, if he's able to step off the plane with like an hour's notice and lead a comeback win for the Rams, <clears throat> surely he can step into the, That's uh, the Mike McDaniel offense and roll. That's the only way that he operates yeah. well. So don't give him the playbook. Just have him there on South Beach chilling. And then if you need him for the game, give him three plays and throw him out there. Uh, guard is a, There's still a guard spot that's probably an issue for Miami as well. But the, the tackle options here, they're, again, they're picking at 52. Uh, Darnell Wright, the right tackle from Tennessee, getting a lot of buzz, especially coming out of the Senior Bowl. He's at 45 on the consensus draft board right now. And I know the chat mentioned this guy as well, but Matt Bergeron, the tackle out of Syracuse, he's at 62 on the consensus board and they're in similar spots on the pff draft board those could be two guys that make sense as the first pick for the dolphins if they're gonna go uh, a little need based there um tight end another place where they could look i don't think gasicki's coming back i think the tight end in a mike mcdaniel kyle shanahan offense the tight end isn't featured necessarily but it's nice to have one right when you have a george kittle in san francisco but notably, like, why is George Kittle not seen all the time as the same as Travis Kelsey? Because teams, like, they haven't really used George Kittle as a mismatch creator or anything. They just kind of let him play tight end. So I, I think they're just going to get a tight end, not necessarily try to get um, an incredible playmaker there. The draft has a pretty good group of players as well mm -hmm. at that position where they could look. Miami is one of those teams that has uh... – no cap room right now. They're buried, in fact, in negative cap space, but they have the ability to free up quite a lot of cap space with contract restructures, et cetera. To be fair, Buffalo is in that category as well of they can free up quite a lot of room with restructured contracts, et cetera, but both those teams are going to have to do some work to get spending money. So Vic Fangio comes in to run the defense, yeah. just had his press conference yesterday. Does that affect— They've done the opposite of the Vikings, schematically. They've moved from <coughs> effectively— Vikings have moved from effectively that kind of scheme to the Brian Flores, what we assume will be the Miami man coverage type of deal, and then Miami have gone the other way, kind of. They've moved from that over the last couple of years to the Vic Fangio scheme. Do we see um, the fit for Xavier Howard and Byron Jones? You're going to play a lot more zone, off coverage. Byron Jones was always kind of better, a, a better zone corner anyway. 
but then got signed by a man-heavy Miami Dolphins team. I think the fit's there. He's just been banged up, didn't play last year. Savian Howard, I think he works well with his eyes on the quarterback, but mm-hmm. he's also a pretty good press man corner. Do you think there's a fit there, or does – I can see what they uh, – what do they save if they end up releasing Byron Jones, who they signed to a massive contract? I think both work within the offense or within the defense, um, but it wouldn't shock me if Byron Jones simply became a cap casualty anyway. Yeah, there's still $14 million in dead money for uh, Byron Jones if they release him this year, so only $3 million in savings. Might not be the, uh, the best option there. But uh, those guys have to stay healthy on the outside. It's a good-looking secondary. Love Javon Holland at safety. Those guys have to stay healthy there. Um, but again, there's there's not a lot of holes to fill on the defense. Probably want to just add depth on that defensive line that's really emerged these last couple of years. Running back, there's pretty much nobody under contract. Um, what are you doing there? I think what they did last year, they brought they traded for Jeff Wilson for uh, that was first half of the season, right? Traded for Jeff Wilson for pennies, and they signed Raheem Mostert for one year, two point one million dollars, and he was. You know, when he's in the lineup, he's a good explosive threat. I'd try to bring Mostert back. Like, just bargain basement running back because it's the Shanahan scheme. Yep. Right? They're going to – their their run game's going to depend on McDaniel calling plays and that offensive line. And uh, get give me more Mosterts. Give me more more speed types. Get I'd bring him back. Give me more Mosterts. All right. Have we fixed the Miami Dolphins? Have we given them enough options to consider here? Yeah, I think so. How about wide receiver three? They they paid for Cedric Wilson. You have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Is there a third receiving threat that should be focused on here? I think they're good at receiver. I mean, you know, if they can find a real tight end for the offense, I, I'm all for that. Um, but I don't think they need necessarily – I don't think they need to pay much attention whatsoever to the third wide receiver part of that. All right, so there we go. Have the Dolphins been fixed? I tell you who else is available as a running back that should be in this offense and, in fact, every other offense. Boston Scott. Okay, Boston Scott in there. My guy. Is he going to be your uh, your Kelvin Beecham? Well, he's just always my guy, Boston Scott. Really, given his record, you need to find a t- another team within the NFC East so he can put up you know, more touchdowns against the Giants. I mean, if you're the Giants, don't you just sign him at this point? Just to... if, I mean, if it works for them the same way it works for the Eagles, he's going to put up like 45 touchdowns next year. In training camp? No, just playing for the Giants. Oh, just being in games involving exactly. the Exactly. Depends on how you view that analytically. Do the analytics say Boston Scott always scores touchdowns against the Giants mm. or in games involving the Giants? Right. Depends on how you uh, position that. I mean, if it's a Giants-specific thing, then he's golden. Like, sign him. Forget Saquon, let him walk, and then Boston Scott's going to put up 2,500 yards and a million touchdowns, and you're, go- you're good. All right, let's fix the New England Patriots coming off a season where they just missed the playoffs. Uh, they've got uh, Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers. We've talked a lot about Myers being the top free agent receiver on the market. Were you trying to talk to me here on the side? No, you weren't. Um, Isaiah Wynn, who they moved to right tackle, curiously, last year hitting free agency that didn't work that was another one of those like let's just flip this guy to the other side in the middle of his career and mm. it didn't work uh Devin McCourty I don't know that he's announced his uh return to the NFL yet possible retirement but he's a free agent again he's one of those Patriots for life that they'll if if he's going to play it's probably for the Patriots on, on a one-year deal and uh, Jonathan Jones at corner hitting free agency so again another team that doesn't have a ton 
but some you know some pretty key starters there. Also, Damian Harris at running back. Where are you starting here if you're the Patriots? Well, the biggest thing they did, they've already done, I think, which is they actually got an offensive coordinator. Good as, start. As opposed to a couple of random coaches that just happen to be in the building. And let, let's have them do offensive coordinator. How hard could it be? Turns out harder than you think. Um, so Bill O'Brien coming back in, I think, will make a lot of difference to that whole group. They, they, they'll have a functioning offense. Hopefully he'll be able to improve the play of Mac Jones. Mac Jones, presumably this is a make-or-break season for him. And you would expect him to be notably better than he was a year ago. So I think that's step one. Step two, I would try and absolutely re-sign Jacoby Myers. Like, he's been their best receiver. Sure, he's limited. I think he's not going to be DeAndre Hopkins. He's not going to be a superstar. But he is still the best guy you have in the building. And if you lose him, (laughs) you have nothing left. So I would be trying quite hard to re-sign Jacoby Myers before he hits the open market. And still, you need to add receiving weapons. You still have Devontae Parker there. Um, last year's strategy, just to repeat what they had in the depth chart, uh, on the depth chart for every receiver. Jacoby Myers, who you mentioned. Devontae Parker, who they traded for. Nelson Aguilar, big free agent signing. And then Kendrick Bourne, who always seems to play well for them when they give him the opportunity. Second rounder, Tyquan Thornton, who's an absolute burner. And then two tight ends, John U. Smith and Hunter Henry, that they paid a fortune for, but haven't really reaped those rewards, especially with John U. Smith. Oof. But like on paper, doesn't that seem like a really good group when you add them all up? Now, did it not work last year because of the play calling? Because it doesn't work well when you add them all up? Instead of going one big receiver and then others, they went with depth. And I thought on paper they could stitch it together, but... Nelson Aguilar is so inconsistent, and Devontae Parker was in and out of the lineup, and again, he's more of a contested catch guy, not getting open as much. So it was a little hit or miss there. Do they have to go the route of the big names here? I've seen, um, might have been Brad Spielberger's article, who is going to be back on the show later this week, previewing free agency. That was a big success last year. We're going to do it again with Brad. And ask him about his big uh, trade, potential trades. Yeah, so one, I think it was that article where he has um, Brandon Cooks going back to New England. The return to New England mm-hmm. for Cooks. When in doubt, when you can't find a receiver, Brandon Cooks is always available for a first-rounder. He's really dependable, man. <laughs> is that enough, though? Like that's the <laughs> He's dependable in both ways. He'll be good for you, and he will be available for a first-round pick but that's, every year. That's the question. better not be a first-round pick for Cooks at this point. But that's the big question in New England, right? Does it... In year three of Mac Jones, the same way the Chargers were super aggressive last year, the same way other teams with rookie contract quarterbacks are saying, this is our opportunity. This is the cheat code. This is the cheap quarterback. Let's go. Do the Patriots have to go get that top receiver? Do they have to swing for better than Brandon Cooks, swing for a T. Higgins or a DeAndre Hopkins, and then not spend that money on Jacoby Myers, who I still think is a good two. Do you want to spend sixteen to eighteen or sixteen million on a, on a good two? Maybe at this point, but I think I'd reserve that money for the DeAndre Hopkins or uh, T Higgins of the world if he's potentially available. I don't know. I I I think you need to start from the point of we can't really afford to let Jacoby Myers out of this building, and then let's figure out how we can upgrade the receiving core outside of him, as opposed to let's swing for the fences and go crazy trying to find. The superstar. You might be able to do both. I well, mean, the, the Chargers have two guys above twenty million in their receiving core, and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. It yeah. is doable. 
But the other thing about New England is, so obviously they don't want to draft receivers because they stink at it. Um, and they, I think, know that. So they've had a tendency to do this veteran receiver route where Brandon Cooks was the guy before. They've never really paid that guy top-of-the-market money either, you know? So when you're looking at this sort of landscape and you're like, all right, T. Higgins or DeAndre Hopkins, like these guys are going to want top-of-the-market money. I don't know that that's an option for New England, unless they finally reach a point where they're like, you know what? <laughs> it's, it's finally time to stop scrimping at the wide receiver position, throw all of the money at a guy. Like if they're, if they're still in this world of let's try and do this frugally, those two names are off the table. Yeah. Um, it is interesting that Myers and probably Julian Edelman are the two good Patriots receivers that have come through the system. Myers was undrafted and Edelman was a seventh round quarterback right that they converted to receiver so you're right i mean they haven't done a good job of developing but they finally have one that they're that is dependable and when they had edelman they kept him around yeah they actually let him go to free agency though right i mean the the mentality for the belichick era for over 20 years and i don't know if it's too much thinking back to the early 2000s it's been a remarkably laissez-faire attitude to wide receiver every now and then though but every now and then they go the other way right but like in the early 2000s tom brady's winning super bowls thrown to david patton David Givens and Dion Branch. But even, Branch was a guy that they developed early in. Even the when they go era. the other way, they don't. They don't go. They don't go big. Like Brandon Cooks has got to be the biggest move they've made at wide receiver ever, right? In the Belgium. for a first rounder, yeah. In, well, first rounder. So between draft capital given up and money given to him, yeah. that's got to be the biggest investment they've ever made at a wide receiver. They obviously brought in Randy Moss. Randy Moss was on peanuts for the Patriots. It was just a genius move because right. they. Gave up a fourth rounder. They bought like uh, low, they bought low, as low, low, as low as possible. And yeah. they were able to convince him because it was Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and the Patriots to take nothing to do it. Like Moss was on a fraction of what he should have been on relative to what Randy Moss is at that point in his career. So they've never gone hard when it comes, like huge investment. They've never made it at wide receiver. The other moves that they've made were like second round restricted free agency type of moves. That was Wes Welker. That was... Chris Hogan, those types of receivers coming in. When they went and signed Nelson Aguilar, that was one of their more aggressive wide receiver moves. Remember two off seasons ago, they just went crazy with the, you know, Bill got to use the credit card for the first time in a while. So is that where they go? Will they change, will they change course? Will they come out of this mentality that we're going to build depth at receiver and not necessarily have those big name splash players? Will they change a little bit? in year three where you have to you have to know what you have in mac jones it's a make or break year for mac jones isn't it like it's yeah we, we have to know mm -hmm. if he's our guy going forward so i think i think they have to be aggressive there yep and then fill the holes like they always do with free agency and um you know the pass rush really took a big step forward last year i think they're solid defensively we uh, picking at 14 overall i think cornerback to replace a jonathan jones outside should be on the board you know, grab one of those long corners that could play press man because I still think they want to do that at heart. So what else you got? For that would be, they could be a good spot for Kelvin Beecham. <laughs> they, they need a right uh, tackle. Yes. The, the Joey Porter Jr. to the Patriots thing is going to be one of those most common uh, connected team to player mock draft deals. Yeah. Because you know Bill loved – Joey Porter probably too, right? He probably caused all sorts of headaches. Senior? Yeah, loved senior. Has to be a good fit. Um, New England has 11 
draft picks, I believe it is. Yeah, 11 draft picks and uh, three in the top 100. So they have 14, 46, and 76. So they've got some some draft capital to work with here. Would they be a player for uh, Jamel Dean, who is one of the top cornerback free agents and has that sort of press man skill set in addition to having a weird-ass linebacker-looking body type? Yeah, so that's a good <clears throat> that's a good question too, right? If you go back through the last 10-plus years of the Belichick era, there was a point where they started to go, like, we want cornerback one. We want this top guy so that we can – and they pivoted to playing more. Man, they were, they were his own team for a few years. It started with Aqib Tlaib. They brought in Darrell Rivas. And then it was – they had Malcolm Butler for a couple of years, but there was Stephon Gilmore was the huge play. And he was the best corner in the league. In the, in the most challenging role mm-hmm. in the league for about three or four years. Jamel Dean's certainly not at their level, but he's that type of player. If they do want to get back to playing more press man. They have invested a corner in a way that they have in a wide receiver financially. Yeah. Um, they let J.C. Jackson walk because they probably felt, hey, he's a product of us. We're not going to pay him that type of money. But Jamel Dean, who's played a lot of off coverage with Tampa Bay, is a bruiser for a corner, right? Like He is the guy that beats up receivers at the line of scrimmage in Patriots-like fashion, that's a great question. That 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 could be a potential fit there for one of their outside spots. They'd also be really intriguing for Marcus Peters, um, who doesn't, I don't think, is necessarily at his best in that skill in that that uh, scheme. But if you go all the way back to college, which admittedly is going back a while, given that he's thirty now, but like his tape in college was physically press man way over the top actually <laughs> like just physically beating up receivers yeah again that's the kind of skill set they're looking for within this defense if that's what they're playing those are a couple of good calls um i don't know that they would go the cameron sutton route but if they are trying to go they love versatility play inside play outside play zone play man cameron sutton number 23 on our free agent board could be a good fit there as well so we've given the patriots a whole bunch of options are they fixed sam Recently. They do need to uh, – I, I think the pick at 14, though, the most likely pick. It might be Porter, but I think tackle. Because not only do you have Isaiah Wynn as a free agent, uh, Trent Brown's in the last year of his contract at left tackle. So I think they're drafting a tackle high. I don't know if Peter Skaronsky gets there for Northwestern, but uh, Braxton, um, Broderick Jones out of Georgia to replace Wynn, another Georgia product, could be – could be a guy there at 14. Patriots don't pick this high all that often. Yeah. For uh, they had Mac Jones a couple years ago at 15. Always interesting to see when they're picking at this. What did you draft. make of uh, Cole Strange for his rookie season, given obviously that was essentially the butt of a joke while they drafted him? We had him slightly below average. It depends on how you're weighing things, right? I think from a pass blocking standpoint, he was pretty impressive. I think there was some shades of Joe Tooney from a pass blocking standpoint. Where he held his own, in a, uh, in, you know, in a, in a few places. His but, season um, is so weird. If you look at his pass blocking grades by game, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games above eighty. But he also has four that are forty point one or below, including right. a thirty two point three, a twenty eight point one, and one in single digits or worse. Like yeah, he, there were some was, games I saw him getting credit when he was just he was getting beat quick and the ball was getting out. Yeah, he was either really, really good or disastrous. Um, and they weren't necessarily tied to the strength of opposition. Like Cameron Jordan, or Cameron Hayward 
gave him a pretty rough ride early on, though actually given that they sort of basically left him on an island with Cameron Hayward, I think he did a pretty good job in that game comparatively. But That was the game where he lost a lot, but you didn't feel it in the game because the ball was out so yeah, quickly. But it was very and, – and, but even then when you consider that they basically left him one-on-one with Cameron Hayward and said just do the job, I think he did a pretty good job there. Yeah, that, that's like Joe Tooney had like a similar – rookie season back in 2016 but he was better in the run game Stranges has a he's got a below average run blocking grade but if that you know if that gets a little bit better I I mean honestly I think Cole Strange played like a a third round rookie which is I think he was better than that what he is second round rookie yeah I mean maybe uh, you know you don't necessarily expect guards to be that good I don't think there was a massive difference between him and uh, Zion Johnson who went the first round. I mean, yeah. I mean, other guys certainly struggled. So, yeah, maybe he'll, maybe he'll be fine. Anything else on the Patriots? Mm. Draft tackle. Sign Jamel Dean. Get a big play receiver. Fixed. Yeah. And just generally figure out some sort of wide receiver solution. Great. We're three teams in. New York Jets. Easy. Got to start at quarterback here. Well, everything changes now that I know Mike White is a free agent. Got to bring him back. Got to bring him back. You bring him back? Where are you going with the Jets here? Not as a starter, right? As a backup? Oh, as a backup. Yeah, he's backup and knows the system, has had success. Probably get him a lot cheaper than the uh, the guys that I've mentioned, the Dolphins so of the you world. you bring back Mike White. You have Zach Wilson just sitting there silently in the corner atoning for his sins, and then you bring in a starter. That's how this works? Yeah, would you try to trade Zach Wilson or still try to – Keep him in the building and salvage him. I mean, what are you going to get for Zach Wilson right now? Like, nothing, right? Still extremely talented and still had that very good preseason. What do you think you would get back if you tried to trade him right now? A fourth. Yeah. It's probably not worth it. And I don't know from who. Right. I don't know where. You'd have to find a team like the Commanders that's, like, rolling with Sam Howell. I don't think even they'd be interested. Like, the the team, I think, the kind of team that would be interested in Zach Wilson – as a fourth round or worse pick reclamation project. I think it's more like a team that's established a quarterback but has like space to burn on the backup, you know? And so many teams are now rolling with just two. I don't think you want Zach Wilson as your primary backup. Like he's in a, a hard spot where he's almost like a practice squad quarterback right now. Nobody trades a fourth round pick for a practice squad quarterback. I don't, yeah, I don't want to get rid of him. I keep him in the building. Mm. I mean, you think he's going to be an absolute nuisance in the, uh, in the clubhouse or whatever, in the locker room, but <laughs> the clubhouse. that's what we call him baseball. Slips out every now and again. Yeah. But uh, just keep him around, just in case. You got to burn a roster spot on, though, because I don't think you can put him down to the practice squad because someone probably yeah. claims him. I'm all about burning roster spots for third and fourth quarterbacks. I am <laughs> the guy that wants to keep four quarterbacks at all time for just in case, just in case purposes. That's more important to me than linebacker six. I think they should give them like almost the COVID rules of quarterbacks, and you should always be allowed to just have a designated developmental quarterback on the roster that doesn't count against your 53. Yeah. I mean, look, you say you, you don't get the reps and all that stuff like – Get him in the meeting rooms. Like you still get to coach him, right? And that's why I would invest in more QB coaches too. I would give them as much personalized coaching as possible because when they figure it out, if they do figure it out, if it just if this works on one player in ten years, it's worth it for the organization. 
to have a quarterback figure it out, to have like a Geno Smith breakout season out of nowhere. And I'm not saying that's how that happened with Geno Smith, but can you manufacture more Geno Smith ninth-year breakout players, right? So keep Zach Wilson. Bring back Mike White as the backup for now. Who's your quarterback? Let them compete. Are they going to go Derek Carr? I mean, I would make the move for Aaron Rodgers, right? Like if, if, yes. we're, if we're fixing the Let's Jets. Let's do it. I don't want to go Derek Carr. I want to go Aaron Rodgers. Let's do it. He, he comes out of the darkness, and then he's going to bring the Jets to the light. Wow. And there we go. Aaron Rodgers, and they're competing with the Bills. Look at you with a metaphor. Yeah. You hit it. That's, you actually nailed one. Up to negative one. And the funny thing is, I don't think Tyler's in the booth, so nobody's going to put it in your tally. Where's the metaphor Doesn't ticker? Count. We have, Mike, we have a Mike's, Mike's working the, <laughs> the dials back there. We have a metaphor ticker in there somewhere. Sam's got like 3,000, and I have one, but I just added one to the tally, so I think I have two. Find the metaphor ticker if you can. Yeah. I'm yeah, not demanding. I'm just, you know. That's a rough way to not get credit for a metaphor. Look, you, you tell finally, Tyler, we'll add it. You finally nail one. When Tyler's back, he knows Tyler's where to find it. Tyler's not here to, to credit you for it. I assume it's in the metaphor It was folder. well done. Yeah, absolutely. Thank That's you. how it's labeled. Look at that. We found it. Mike's a genius. You're up to three Thank now. You, yeah, I'm well up done. to three. You're at 2,509. Yeah. It's impressive. like one every two years. That's pretty good. That's all right. It's like it's a big win for me. Yeah, it really is. Special day. Okay. So, so we're going Rodgers. What are we giving up to get Rodgers? All right. So <laughs> uh, probably Elijah Moore. He's just unhappy. He's just unhappy. Look, Tyler's in the chat. What's he doing? Oh, yeah, there he is. He'll add it to my... No, we already got it. Mike's already got it. Nailed it. Appreciate it. We got Zach Wilson's numbers up on the board there. Not great. Um, so, what am I looking at here? Oh, the draft capital. We got pick 13, 43, 74, and then three others. I mean, the trade probably has to involve 13, right? It's 13 in next year's first rounder, probably. And next year's first? Yeah. Wow. That's harsh. If you're the Packers. You, yeah, you pretty much have to do that, don't you? I mean, it's going to cost. I would be trying to get away without giving up next year's first as well. I think that's the, that's going to be the going right. Do you think Rodgers can be had for less than two? Maybe first because rounders? look, you've got to assume that it sounds like this is being. It, this is I I I'm constantly blown away by how much Aaron Rodgers is just treading in the footsteps of Brett Favre, having lived the other side of this 15 years ago. He's now like, you know what? The way to end this is exactly the way Brett did it. Like, that that showed me the way out of the building, you know? Isn't this the kid that was, like, picked on yeah. as, a, as a child and then comes back 30 years later, like, I'm a millionaire now. You, you doubted me, So he's spending bully. his entire time every year being like, um, man, you know, I'm not sure. I'm going to dither back and forth. And then eventually the Packers are going to be like, you know what? We're making the call for you. We've moved on. Jordan Love showed some things. We've decided it's time. You're out of here. At the point where they do that, I imagine it's quite tricky to get like full market value for the guy because teams know at this point you got to get rid of him. You can't then go, yeah, you know what? Actually, we changed our mind. Come back, be be good. You know, like once they've burned that bridge, it's staying burned. So can they really go? Oh, we're holding out for two firsts and whatever else. They might just have to take pick thirteen, you know, a second rounder or whatever, and, and get out. Yeah, I mean, we'll negotiate. We'll try to not give up two first-rounders, but I'd be willing to if I had to. Robert Sala's heading into year three here, right? Um, got to make the move. Nathaniel Hackett's in here calling plays. That's his buddy. He's going to tell some jokes. We're going to uh, get, get the best out of Rodgers. Okay. So that's the first part. We're going to be down on draft capital. 
I think we're going to have to get into the draft with if if we only have five picks left, we got to we got to trade down forever because um, this roster still needs needs some depth. Sheldon Rankins is going to be a free agent. It's it's a lot. There's a bunch of free agents on the defensive side who are just solid type of players, um, and did have good years for the Jets. Sheldon Rankins, Quincy Wills, uh, Williams, at linebacker, Quan Alexander had a nice little season for the Jets. Uh, Lamarcus Joyner. We can replace those guys again. Yeah. Second wave of free agency. Um, and then the offensive line needs to get needs to get looked at, right? Because Connor McGovern, the center, is a free agent, and then right tackle is a is just a bunch of free agents and Max Mitchell. And I liked Max Max Mitchell coming out, but maybe he's my swing guy. And we talked we did talk about this on what yesterday's show. Makai Becton at right. left tackle. Can we even trust him going forward with all the injuries? I'm bringing two tackles into the building, one of whom might be Kelvin Beecham. On the cheap, yeah, they're they're in this tough spot though, um, where if they're giving up thirteen to make this happen, the Rogers thing. Now you're reducing your options when it comes to can we get a starting left tackle, can we get a starting right tackle, whatever it is. Now you for sure to, now yeah. you need to make some smart moves somewhere to make sure that that's not a disaster. That's all, I mean, if if I have one specialty, it's finding cheap starting tackles in the NFL. Yeah. What? They haven't always gone that well. I mean, Morgan Moses. Right. I would, you can't flip. Vill- Ali Villanueva went to the worst possible team. <laughs> he went to the run-heavy Ravens. Yeah. And they flipped positions on him eight years into his career. I wanted him to go to the Colts and be the transitional left tackle there, right? To mm. other teams at, at left tackle. Okay. So you could bring in Isaiah Wynn. Maybe. I don't know what he's going to command. I would bring the in. The second tier of free agent. Your guy, Jermaine. Yes. Right tackle. Jermaine Illuminor. Fixed. That's the right tackle spot. We throw him in there. He's good to go. Max Mitchell gets in the weight room, you know, gets a little more power to his game, and now maybe he can take over starter a year from now. But Illuminor is my starting right tackle just to solidify that spot. Left tackle is the big issue, though. I mean, you could roll with Becton. You could try to uh, – Dwayne Brown is back for one more year, but, you know, he's, he's old. He's getting older here. Um, there's probably not a left tackle option. I mean, if, if you're drafted in the 40s, those guys that I mentioned earlier, you might get a, a Darnell Wright who did play right tackle at Tennessee or a Matt, uh, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse. But you're talking about rookies coming in as starters. It's, it's, it's a little bit risky there. In a trade market, I'll tell you what they could do. The guy you keep hyping up for Arizona, Josh Jones. Hmm. He's a guy, if, you, if I need a left tackle, can he be had for like a mid-round pick? He played horribly at guard for a couple of years, played yeah. pretty well at left tackle, filling in for DJ Humphreys. Arizona doesn't have a ton of assets, but he might be one that they're willing to trade. Look at us fixing this offensive line here. Trade for Josh Jones and get your guy Illuminor. Max Mitchell's your swing. And you got Becton, who you know you hope will show actually stay healthy. Or do you let Elijah in? And you have back to in Elijah Vera Tucker, who could play four out of five positions. Yeah. Now we got some flexibility up front. Mm-hmm. Um, the great Corey Davis. I mean, this would be this is how he gets to the Hall of Fame is when Aaron Rodgers comes in. Oh, okay. Or he gets cut. Yeah. He's a cut candidate. Seems here. more likely, to be honest. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, what does a playmaker situation look like? Uh, Garrett Wilson will be a superstar once Aaron's in the building. Oh, yeah. Can any of these other guys run routes, or is Aaron just going to get upset and just start throwing it at their ankles when he gets mad? Possible. Um, 
I mean, the big question, I think, for them would be, okay, Garrett Wilson's great. We think he'll be fantastic. Um, what do they have as their second guy? Can that be uh, Elijah Moore or like, is, he, is he an attitude problem? Like he was getting frustrated. He didn't get on with uh, LaFleur. There was tension. He asked to be traded. They said no. Kind of buckled down a little bit, but like – he got really bent out of shape very quickly for a guy that's that new into the league. That's like, are we going to be able to fix that? Or is this going to be a constant problem when things aren't going well, or if even when things aren't are going well and he's just not getting the ball, like, can he be that second guy or do we need to just assume he's not really a factor on this roster? We need to find somebody better. And if he works out fine, but relying on him at this point is asking for trouble. He might be a better option than Corey Davis. He might be better. I don't know if it was his fault or if it was just the, the tension there or whatever it might have been. Um, are they another team that might make, make a splash move? I think they're solid at tight end with C.J. Azama and Tyler Conklin. Like I think both of those guys that they brought in last year, they're good with Aaron Rodgers under center once we sign him. Um, wide receiver two, though, would be my question. The Corey Davis deal felt like a lot at the time, but they have an out, right? They're going to save almost all of his cap hit if they release him, about $10 million dollars. So they're, he's a very likely cut candidate. Or you could just keep him on there for about $10 million, uh, almost $11.5 this year. He's still a good two. Are they good enough if it's Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and you just keep that, keep that group together with the two tight ends? Maybe. I mean, there is the unknown aspect of what happens to Corey Davis if, you know, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. For, I mean, that's true for all these guys, right? But Davis... We've seen him have a good year in the past in a good situation. Like if Rodgers comes in, all of a sudden this thing is transformed. Does he end up a completely different player and potentially justify the money he's on? And then defensively, I think you just – I think I already said it, but like second tier of free agency, bring those guys back. Carl Lawson's another guy. So the, the, the big names that they brought in a couple years ago in Salah's first season are cut candidates. Carl Lawson, yeah. Corey Davis – I think that's good. Like, that's a good team building overall, right? Like, you kind of, even though Lawson missed the season two years ago, you get a couple years out of these guys, and you can get out from the big contracts if you want to. They've they've created those outs for both of those guys. That could create some flexibility to make more splashes on those perimeter receiver players. Uh, I'd kind of be thinking about keeping Carl Lawson around. I get why you get rid of him, because you built in the contingency. He hasn't lived up to the contract because he – torn Achilles right almost as soon as he signed it um so it makes a lot of sense on the other hand you would imagine he'll be better this year than he was a year ago a year removed from that Achilles injury Jermaine Johnson as as much as he was only a rookie last year I didn't really show a ton to make you say he can step into that role immediately become a really productive pass rusher for us he was better against the run than he was rushing the passer I'm just not sure I'd be and absolute worst case scenario from this sort of point of view you end up like if they all work out and you kept them around <coughs> okay you now you have like an eagles defensive rotation where you've got a ton of guys like there's the nfl is well capable of using seven pass rushers if you end up in a situation where you have seven that can all do a job for you so i get it's expensive but they've got the cash to make it happen i wouldn't be rushing to let go of lawson yeah they just perfectly structured those deals to to front load them for two years and then they can save 15 million on Lawson. they can save yeah. 25 million dollars on Corey davis and carl lawson right. and then do something similar go to the next like overpay 
for a similar level of free agent, a couple of years younger, theoretically, right? But you still do want to have a good pass rush and a Robert Sala defense. You can't just rely on Sauce Gardner um, and good corners, right? You just can't in uh, DJ Reed. So I don't know. I don't know where they'll go there, but it is tempting to kind of get out from both contracts and spend that money elsewhere and maybe get another shiny object at receiver. And it's, you know, a little goodwill for Aaron Rodgers. And Green to, Bay. Green Bay wasn't doing this for you, Aaron. Right. And to level set, the Jets are another one of these teams that are a few million over the cap projected right now, but have the ability to get very much under it with a, with restructures. They, they have space to be able to free up quite a lot of money. They're not in a bad situation. So as much as Carl Lawson is an obvious move to make if you want to dump $15 million on the cap, it's also a move that they don't have to make just because they appear to be $4 million over the cap right now. So I think we fixed the Jets. My, uh, how does this look, though, if, they, if we miss out on Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> do we go the Derek Carr route? Ugh. Ugh. That's happening in buildings across the NFL. I mean... You, you have to, right? Yeah, you kind of don't really have... I mean, do you go the Derek Carr route or do you go Jimmy G? Jimmy oh, G maybe Mike Jimmy White. G. Mike White. That gives, that gives Mike White an almost guaranteed chance to prove himself again next year when Jimmy G inevitably injures an ankle and misses a month. Do you go Jimmy G and then, you know, we've seen Jimmy G with a great system around him can win some games. Do you spend pick 13 on maybe a quarterback that falls? The Anthony Richardson that falls or whoever it is, do you just start swinging for the future again and Jimmy G is just your... If one does, yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of, I would feel... They're in very much win-now mode, almost regardless of what they do, unless they're in a position to draft, you know, a new quarterback again and start the whole thing over. I don't know that they have that luxury. Like, if you draft Jimmy, or if you sign Jimmy G, you kind of need to make the playoffs because you should have made it this year, and you didn't because you had Zach Wilson, the quarterback, for the majority of the season. So you need to get Jimmy G in. You need to bring Mike White back or another capable backup that can actually win games if Jimmy G misses some time but then like you can't really burn the time to restart all over again if it doesn't work out I, I don't think the people in the building are going to get given that kind of uh, le- like that kind of wiggle room so there we go we're bringing in Jimmy G instead and then you can pick a tackle at 13 potentially yeah get the guy there I mean that gives you the, fr- the flexibility back to be able to you know, add, add a, an impact player around this guy at a position of need. Jets are fixed. I hope you're happy, Jets fans. Fixed you. Aaron Rodgers coming in. That's it. Halfway through the show. Can we just make this eight shows? What if we made it eight shows? No, we advertised the NFC East. Here we go. Dallas Cowboys. Divisional round loss. A sad ending to the 49ers. Is it is it a win if they just get to the NFC Championship? Like, is Jerry <laughs> popping champagne if they at least make the final four here how do we get dallas to the final four step in the right direction it's not going to be enough though right got to get him got to get him to the dance i mean look it could be worse you uh you could have drafted paxton lynch like you wanted you know and been three benchings later in three different leagues you know that's what they wanted so you got that it could have gone worse uh, Leighton Van Der Esch, one of their bigger name free agents a linebacker and also tight end dalton schultz of course tight uh almost did it ty Hilton. Mm-hmm. Technically you, a free agent after they just picked him up. Do you buy the recent reports that Dallas is very intrigued by C.J. Stroud in the draft? 
So I buy, I didn't see those recent reports. Mm-hmm. I forget where I saw them. So apologies to whoever's report I'm relaying and not crediting. What do they even do with that? I I mean, look, this is this is backing up priors because I don't love C.J. Stroud generally, but I could see him being the quarterback that slips in this draft. Like Justin Fields fell to 11 when people said he was going to go number two. I, I mean, I could buy him, be, well, you know, before Zach Wilson became the two. But I could see him slipping in this draft. If he starts to slip into a range where Dallas has a shot at it, are they Dallas souring? 26. Are they souring enough on Dak to make a move like that? I don't think so. I don't think so. What would they just have him sit behind Dak and you give Dak one more year? Yeah. Or do they think Dak needs the uh, the little Rogers treatment? The you know the thing that <clears throat> the thing that I proved correct at the end of yesterday's show. Go check it out when I when Sam made my point for me that another QB in the building is good. It's good for and the starting raging. quarterback. Yeah, yeah. The uh... Dak, the uh, NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year. He might not rage into better performance. He's a nice guy. Nate Jackson made this point yesterday as well in a way much better than you did. Um, he wrote an article about how the thing that Russell Wilson needs is Rex Ryan to be there, to be Denver's defensive coordinator. Because Rex Ryan will not stand for Russell Wilson's bullshit and will, in fact, deliberately needle him. And what Russell Wilson needs is to be angry again, rolling the red carpet out, giving him his own office, his parking spaces, you know, everything they did to him, that clearly wasn't the, the way to go. What you need to do is to piss him off, make him mad again, like the Rodgers thing. So maybe, maybe that's the answer for Dak, you know? He's too nice. He's all about the, you know, the community work and charity and being a good guy. And no, no, it's enough of that. That's not going to cut it. You need killer instinct, and I don't see that in you, Dak. So we're going to... Draft C.J. Stroud, piss you off, make you mad. And then you got to go out there and blowtorch the rest of the NFL. Motivated by spite. Can you, can you stir up enough spite in Dak Prescott? Well, that's the question. Effectively, the, the thesis here is that the most powerful motivator for quarterback success is spite. I don't think, I don't think Dak's a spite guy. Chip on the shoulder. He's like already, This is the cliche. He's already dealt with all that. He's got all the chips. Honestly. Yeah, but he's now got... he's passed it. Now he's the guy with the with the giant contract for the Dallas quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. He's moved beyond the chip of being the fourth round pick. That can only motivate you for so long unless you're Tom Brady and somehow 15 years later you're still crying over the six guys drafted ahead of you that all stink and you don't, right? Only Tom Brady can somehow manufacture that chip for 20 years. Everybody else, five years into their career, that chip's gone. Now you got to find something else. I mean, doubtful, but I don't think that's... Yeah, I mean, I, I would do it. If C.J. Stroud's there, <laughs> it's, it's in my nature to take C.J. Stroud at 26. Yeah. I thought you were implying a Patrick Mahomes-like move, which is what the Chiefs did. We went, went from 27 to 10 to go get their guy when they already had a starter in Alex Smith. Are you suggesting that? Is that where some of this buzz Trading up supposed to get him? Yeah, trading up to 10 if he's there, or 12 if he falls, whatever it might be. Well, I don't think Dallas is there because what would the reasoning be there, Right. We, the buzz phrase, first contract quarterback, right? The reason would be the guy we have doesn't appear to be able to do with it. Like, we thought Dak was the guy that could take us to the promised land, and it's just the same results as everybody else. Yeah, but they're going to give him a chance with Mike McCarthy calling plays and Shotty's coming in as OC. That's the change that they're making to, to put them over the top. Right. I, you know. I don't think – I mean, I don't think they're going to look at that. They had the cheat code for a few years. Our guy uh, – Which was Dak on a rookie contract. Yeah. 
So now and you don't have win. that and it's not working. Do you but it didn't adjust? Work. I just think they're going to look back. Like if they had made the NFC Championship with Dak on a rookie contract and then they've regressed because they paid him, I could see them, the wheels are turning like, oh, we need the rookie contract quarterback because it worked. But nothing has worked. So they're going to stick with Dak because they've already paid him. Our guy, uh, David Solfaro, put in comparative numbers for Alex Smith and Dak Prescott in playoff games. Alex Smith was 2-5 and five in the playoffs. Dak Prescott is 2-4. and four. Alex Smith had a 78 PFF grade in the playoffs. Dak Prescott was 72, is 72. Uh, Alex Smith had 14 passing touchdowns to just two interceptions. Dak is 11-5. and five. Dak has four rushing touchdowns to Alex Smith's one, uh, but has actually half the rushing yards. And Dak has one more game with 250 or more passing yards. So effectively, he's putting up the same kind of numbers as Alex Smith, who, remember, wow. was then unceremoniously dumped. Alex Smith gets a bad rap in the playoffs. He went head-to-head with Drew Brees. He's probably better in the playoffs than he was at any other point in his career. He was career. fantastic in the playoffs. He got screwed by the Andrew Luck game where the defense couldn't hold that lead. Yeah, Alex Smith was good in the playoffs. Plus, you know, the Andy Reid QBs always do well. That's why Mahomes is so good, right? That's why. That's why. So we're sticking with Dak. Okay. On our team, we're probably sticking with Dak. And then instead of subtracting receivers and starting offensive linemen, why don't we add this offseason? Instead of making the, actively making the team worse this year, why don't we make it better? Okay. Let's try that. Um, they got a bunch of draft picks. They're going to pick at 26. They're in almost exactly 27, I think, right? They're yeah. in almost 26 exactly. 26 per PFF. Per PFF. It's 27 according to Tankathon. 27 per, is the Buffalo Bills. The, they're in almost exactly the same situation as the New York Jets in terms of salary cap, uh, the ability to free up salary cap space, the amount of cap space that they have, et cetera, et cetera. So they can, they can spend, but it's going to require some moves. I want OBJ. You want OBJ now. Yeah, bring now, in OBJ. Now's the time for OBJ. <clears throat> I mean, get him on, you know, again, like the Michael Thomas thing, get him on a cheaper deal. I'd take Michael Thomas too. Take both of those guys. They're trying to hit home runs. Right? It's like I, the Teron Armstead thing, I'm not learning. I'm not learning at all. Michael Thomas and all of his injuries, bring it, bring it. I want him trying to hit home runs here. You're just shooting for Searching upside. for all of the injured players. Give me all the injured players who, if they're healthy, going to the moon. Oh, there's no way that goes bad. Never. Give me all the injured players. Right. Um, I, I would I would talk to OBJ again. <laughs> Give him uh, – I mean, your highest paid receiver is Michael Gallup by a million. I mean, by, by billions. Yeah, but you're going um, to you're gonna have to pay C.D. Yeah. Lamb. Pretty quickly. Gallup's going to look – I mean, he's an 11.5 per year. The Gallup Still thing – want to get OBJ in the The building. Gallup thing won't look bad at all if he bounces back to being Michael Gallup this year as opposed to the dude that was coming back off the torn ACL and True. struggling his way through last season. But, like, again, I don't think we win with Dak without four weapons, four legitimate weapons. Where Dalton Schultz, who's now a free agent, where my tight end is my fourth best option. I could We could look at tight end at 26. There's people that don't have Michael Mayer as the top tight end. I think he is. If he's there at 26, the Notre Dame tight end, that could be a, an option there. I want my tight end to be the fourth option again. Or at least I want four good options. You're not sold right? on the uh, the flashes of Jake Ferguson last year? I am. But he's better as a tight end two than a tight end one. Hmm. So get someone else in there. I like Ferguson. Model liked him. NFL liked him. Played well. Get me more. More playmakers. It's the only way we're winning with Dak. Get the whole <laughs> ecosystem around him. All right. Figure out the defense later. Just all offense. You're just going to sign all of the injured players in the league. 
No, just one of OBJ or Michael Thomas. Okay. Let's say we bring in OBJ. Uh, we look at the speed receivers, Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers. The chat suggested that. That's where our, our draft board kind of matches up with those guys. Look at the speed receivers as well. We double up there. Now we've got four receivers. Then Jake Ferguson looks better as my top tight end. I'm still bringing in somebody there. Um, Osiris Torrance at guard could be an option there if we're going to move Tyler Smith to tackle. We talked about that in the draft yesterday. We probably need some Tyron Smith insurance for the future here and Terrence Steele insurance. So, oh wait, he's a free agent. So we need a tackle. Restricted though. He's restricted. Yeah, he'll be back. So give me another swing tackle. You also need. Just going all offense. Always. Trade Zeke. We're going to restructure Zeke. Zeke. So what's going to happen is we're going to go, we're going to go to prime 47. Yeah. Right. We're gonna sit down with Zeke and his agent, with you know, his agent, and we're gonna you know, we're gonna hop on the bus. Just parked right outside Prime. We're gonna hop on the bus and we're gonna restructure. And say, I'm gonna give you two million. Two, two million, million is what you're worth. <laughs> we're gonna restructure Zeke and well, create gonna, some space. We're there. gonna restructure it from a current contract to a pre to a former contract of, of the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. That's how we're gonna restructure. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Um, you, they they always need interior defensive linemen. Uh, Diggy Zua, I think, played pretty well, but they still need somebody else on the inside to go along with the edge rushes they have that are very good. Like, that's still an area of need. Yeah. And there's um, – let me check our free agent. There's some depth there. You bring back year. Leighton Vanderesh. He's a free agent. He had a pretty good year last year after really his career dying a death midway through. <sighs> I'm probably not. I'm probably not. That one kind of depends, I think, what it costs. Like, again – what is the market for a guy like that who looked like the best linebacker from his class in his rookie year, then injuries started to hit, his play declined, he just it wasn't the same guy again, the whole thing fell apart, and then last year he kind of bounced back and actually has become, in the last year or two, a, a pretty important part of that defense again. If he's looking for top-of-the-market linebacker money, no, but if that's a deal that can be done reasonably, um, cheaply, I'm kind of on board with that. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. It's got to be cheap, though. It's got to be on the cheaper side, I think, for Leighton Vander Esch. Because he's still only 26. Someone in the chat suggested one of the receivers I meant to mention, which is Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. I don't love Hyatt coming out of that, um, the Baylor tree where you mm. don't run routes, basically, <laughs> and you're just fast, right? That scares me when it's Corey Coleman. It scares me less, though, if you can get him later. Like, we Those have him guys as a second don't round. have a particularly strong track record that offense producing really good NFL receivers. But, but you could reset expectations, too, and say, listen, you're just my deep threat. You're going to be my speed guy. You got some size. C.D. Lamb's going to be my high-volume guy. Jalen Hyatt, you're going to be my, my pure speed receiver, right? Teaching him how to run routes, it's a challenge coming out of that system. Mm -hmm. Very, very challenging, but I could see that. Um, so you're intrigued by uh, Leighton Vander Esch. The other defensive tackles, I think I've said this on other shows, but the second wave of interior defensive linemen, the, um, David Onyemata in free agency, Sheldon Rankins in free agency, your guy Matt I Ioannidis. Yeah. Those guys are intriguing. Always. They still always feel like they also just need the pure run plug-in, you know, 330-pounder. I don't know if they truly need that, but maybe an Ashawn Robinson, get him in there to improve against the run in, against certain teams. Um even anybody that can rush the passer a little bit to take some pressure off Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence as well. Dalvin Tomlinson's coming off a really quite a good year and might be available for not a ton of money for a, given his career path. My struggle with that is I think he'll he'll cost some money and we're talking cornerback two. 
is the other huge issue, right? As much as I talked offense, 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 my top defensive issue is cornerback opposite Trayvon Diggs, who uh, attacked me. He was tweeting, tweeting at me on Twitter. Said, I've been quiet this year. He did. Yeah. Called you out. Yeah. I don't really have a response because all I did last year was tweet out a stat that he gave up a lot of yards. Uh-huh. And then, I know he doesn't listen to the podcast, but predicted that he would have fewer interceptions this year uh-huh. by a mile. Which he did. And have a better PFF coverage grade. Which he also Which he did. also did. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm quiet because I have nothing to say. You got that right. But yeah, One of the few things this year that you got right. He's a good corner. He was an above average. He was a very good corner this year. I, even when our grades didn't love him the year before, I was like, I still think he's a good corner. So, cornerback two needs to be addressed. You're not a, uh, not a believer in Duran Bland? I am. I'm a believer in depth at cornerback and that we never have enough good ones, though. James Bradbury, maybe go that route for a couple of years. Might have a couple more good years there, James Bradbury. That's going to, like, feels like Bradbury's going to get paid again, though. Yeah, right? it might be too much. Money. Cameron Sutton is definitely, I mean, another guy that I would give to multiple teams. He feels like this underrated player, but he's 23rd on our board. Emmanuel Mosley would be an intriguing player. He's hitting free agency from the 49ers. He's been a pretty solid starter, even if a guy that a lot of teams look to upgrade from. He probably upgrades Dallas or at least provides competition Mosley's for that spot. Good shout. All right, let's give him Mosley. We'll talk to Cam Sutton. And uh, let's bring in OBJ. <laughs> let's restructure Zeke. Oh, yeah. who? What kind of injured corner can we find at? Well, Jason Verrett. Jason Verrett. Bring in Jason Verrett Perfect. every single year, every single one of my teams. Um, the offensive line's tough. I do want to add some depth there, but maybe not at the to the detriment of – flashy playmakers but if i draft a speed receiver and have obj you're really embracing the jerry jones attitude to this whole thing yes give me shiny objects yes you know the the best the offense has looked in dallas is when you had amari cooper cd lamb and michael gallup and dalton schultz as an afterthought give me shiny things and promise me the moon that's what i'm looking for here yeah i mean it's not even promise it's just swinging swinging for the moon or the fences dallas is fixed the NFC East. All right. New York Giants. Oh, boy. This is a tough one here. You already got the rumblings that Daniel Jones, he's already switching agencies. <laughs> he's already looking at that $45 million range. Yeah. <clears throat> um, when you talk to people at the Combine, and, you know, we have those logical conversations. Like, you can't give Daniel Jones, no, I mean, it's Patrick easy. Mahomes, Josh Allen money, but the Derek Carr type deal. Which is basically, oh, you get them for a couple of years, you can get out after, you got to hedge your bet. You got to have a hedge your bet deal. It's a very easy conversation. He comes in, he's like, I want $45 million a year. And you go, well, that's great. So do I. What you're actually being offered is half that. And if you don't want to take it, we slap a franchise tag on you because we don't trust that you're actually going to do this again next year. So we want to hedge anyway. So these are your two options. You take a deal that's half what you're looking for, or we franchise tag you. And then... We might franchise tag you again next year, depending on how this works out. But Daniel Jones has no leverage here, none, to walk in and go, I want $45 million a year. I, they, I mean, I would genuinely laugh that out of the room if I was the Giants' representatives and they came in. That was the, like, I, as Daniel Jones' representative, we are looking for $45 million a year over whatever number of years. I would start laughing, and the negotiations would be ended pretty soon after that. Joe Shane, the new GM there, comes over from Buffalo. I think they've already showed to be a pretty sharp group. I think when you combine that with Brian Daybowl and the fact that he wins Coach of the Year, which was well-deserved, 
exceeding expectations, taking a roster that had no name receivers and uh, an offensive line that had issues and a defense with a whole new system and all that stuff to have the success that the Giants had, great first year. Do you think Brian Dable looks at this and says, like, how do coaches think about this? Do they look and say, hey, I did these good things with Daniel Jones. Give me the opportunity to build on that and do more. Or can you sit down with Brian Dable and say, <clears throat> you're the driver here, right? You're the one who got this career, career year out of Daniel Jones, tapped into his rushing ability. We can get you any other top 15 to 20 quarterback and you'll do the same thing. We're going to strive for more. We could do this with anybody. Let's not overcommit to Daniel Jones. Yeah, look, they, the Giants had a terrible offensive line. They had a bad receiving core, and Daniel Jones played pretty well, um, certainly relative to expectations with Brian Dayball. You have to be looking at that and saying, all right, I'm intrigued by what Daniel Jones did, but I'm not $45 million a year for the next however many years intrigued. Like, this is the definition. This is why the franchise tag exists. Like, it is the perfect opportunity for the team to hedge and say, we're going to give you money, but we're not going to do it long term. And for the player to actually get a ton of cash off the back of playing quite well, relatively unexpectedly. Like, this is why the franchise tag is there. If it didn't exist, there would be an impasse because Daniel Jones would say, I want $45 million a year over five years. And the Giants would say, uh, not a chance. And he would therefore walk out of the building. They would have to let him hit free agency and see what the market dictated. Now they don't have to. You slap the franchise tag on them and you say, right, we'll revisit this in nine months and see what you've done. Like that's, it's the obvious solution. I'd be willing to walk away if I needed to. <clears throat> Rather than franchise tag it. I mean, I'd probably do the franchise tag maybe just to, to buy myself some time to, to get the next guy. But don't you think, like what does Jimmy G command on the market? Jimmy G, like Jimmy G's a, is he a better quarterback than Daniel Jones? Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, if he is, it's not by a huge amount, and you lose out on the rushing threat, and he's broken all the time. Yeah. The rushing threat is the thing, right, where it's it, it's still hard for me to properly value it. Um, but you see what that did for the offense, right? So that there there is that. But you also have 12 picks, 11 picks in the draft, a lot of maneuverability there. I'm – I'd probably franchise Daniel Jones because you have plenty of cap space as well. I'd probably give him one more year, but then I'm also I'm looking to how I'm going to get the next quarterback next year. It's $32.4 million to franchise yeah. tag a quarterback. And the Giants are one of those teams. Like They can do that right now and still have plenty of cap yeah. space. And the cap just jumped. Like It's it's not an onerous amount of money. It's, They're third I, in effective cap space yeah. at 43. It's the obvious plus. solution. Franchise tag him, spend the next 12 months figuring out what he is, and then decide what you want to do yeah. next year. And I'm also going to that assuming even after a year, I'm still not sold on him. But he might but I might be. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I might be, but I'm probably not. It's still like there's like a twenty percent chance that he gets a long term contract at the end of it. But I would also use this year to get another QB in the building and take swings and drafting and But now it's it's a little bit like the Justin Fields thing where he's shown enough with not a good situation other than Brian Dayball as his coach to I think to deserve the opportunity with some more help like let's fix his offensive line let's give him some receivers to play with let's lock him up to a franchise tag and keep him in the building for a year and then see what this looks like at the end of the year if he doesn't get any better when the situation got better around him 
then we've probably found Daniel Jones's level and we can talk much more seriously about let's just move on because it's not worth this. All right, so how do we improve his situation? Uh, they may do with Isaiah Hodgins at receiver. Had an excellent season, but is he just the next Travis Fulgham? Half a season of production guy that feels like a breakout player but disappears? Or is Hodgins like a really nice piece? You know, to, to build around going forward. Restricted, restricted free agent there as well. Um, Wondell Robinson, who they drafted high last year. Kenny Colliday is still under contract here. He's still here. Great. Um, but certainly you have to add some playmakers there. Whether it is the splash route, the DeAndre Hopkins, I think that's what Brad suggested in his uh, potential big trades yep. piece. DeAndre Hopkins. Is it uh, the T. Higgins move where you, you know go more long-term with a younger option? Either way, the Giants have to make a move here. If they do pick at 25, a lot uh, Todd McShay put him with Zay Flowers, but mm-hmm. I think receiver, receiver, receiver has to be an option here for the Giants. Receiver and offensive line. Like their entire yeah. offseason, I think, should be about those two areas. Like let's nail wide receiver. Let's try and get a clear upgrade there. I mean, obviously they thought they did that with Kenny Galladay and it didn't work. Um, they thought they did that with Kadarius Toney. didn't work. Um, and the offensive line, which the interior of which was was a problem. I, you, I think, have to assume that Evan Neal is going to be your starter at right tackle as a first-round pick who struggled as a rookie. And if he takes a big step, that's a huge thing. But left guard, center, either one of those spots needs to be upgraded. Right guard, you could upgrade if, if the right guy comes along. But that's your entire offseason is nailing those two units. We talked to some people at the uh, Super Bowl. I probably said Combine earlier. Some people at the Super Bowl who think they will walk away from Saquon Barkley. And that'll feel like big news on maybe NFL Network and things like that, but I don't think it is. You know our stance. Will they completely walk away from Saquon Barkley or will they try to find a hybrid type of deal that that makes sense for them? They've wavered a little on that. They've they've sent mixed messages, I guess. Um, I think given the money that he will want to command, the smart thing is to walk away. Like I've made this stance clear many times that I would not ever give a, a running back a big sec a big money second year or second contract Jesus um, the most I would ever want to cash or uh, allocate to a running back cash wise is like the Austin Eckler deal you have to assume whatever Saquon's going to get it's going to be vastly in excess of the Austin Eckler deal at which point you walk away and you just you say great see ya thanks it's just not worth it it's not it isn't the smart way to build a team, so we're going to go in a different direction, which puts them firmly in the running back market in the draft. Yeah, Matt Breida. I mean, they, they only have Gary Brightwell under contract. Deshaun Corbin, <clears throat> who might be on my dynasty team. Maybe we just give him maybe they're back a uh, maybe they're a Bijan candidate. Would you just could you justify that at twenty five? Yeah, Bijan at twenty five with Saqu- uh, Saquon's out. You have Bijan Robinson in there knowing you're going to run the ball that much with Daniel Jones back there. That might be one of the few people I could uh, I mean, it's always, get on with. It's, with running back, even in the first round, even low in the first round, where the contract is not a problem, where they can actually justify that, it's always opportunity costs. Like, what, what am I missing out on by drafting a first-round running back here? Because I know I can get a running back later on that can still do a job for me. Am I missing out on a potential starting guard? who can come in and massively upgrade a problem spot. Am I missing out on a wide receiver? Cyrus Torrance would be great there, too. Right. Am I missing out on a wide receiver that can be a, an impact player within this offense from day one? Like, that's my question. But if the, bar, if the board falls a certain way and, like, the offensive linemen are gone, 
the wide receivers are gone. Like we're, you know, half a round or a round out in terms of value at those two positions. And Bijan is sitting there. It's not crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'd still, if I'm the Giants, and I mean, if you just go into the offseason game plan and say, again, here's the entire market. Saquon Barkley, all these other free agents. There might be some cheaper free agents, but Zach Charbonnet at 61 on our board from UCLA. Dwayne McBride from UAB is an excellent runner, 79 on our board. Uh, Tajay Spears, who Rick Spielman loves. My model loves. Renner doesn't love him enough. He's only at 100 on our board. Sean Tucker from Syracuse. Like, I can get any of those guys, and I think they'll be effective. Roshan Johnson, the, the other Texas running back, is is big and fast and probably good. Um, I would come into the offseason game plan saying, I know we're not going to invest in Saquon Barkley, but I also know that we're going to grab one of these, you know, maybe two of these middle middle tier, middle round running backs and be pretty happy about it. So what's the splash move here at receiver? Do you go to DeAndre Hopkins? Is he too old for this rebuilding Giants? Or is that the thing that's going to no, help they, you understand Daniel Jones? Yeah, more? I think they need to know now what this thing's going to look like with Daniel Jones. So it might be a relatively short-term move, but I think it's a good one. Like if they're able to bring in a DeAndre Hopkins, that – that should finally settle that. Like, we're not talking Kenny Galladay here. We're talking definitely one of the most proven quality wide receivers in the NFL who has also shown to be quarterback-proof. So we're not worried about neutralizing him by a, a problem situation. If they can swing that, I think it's a great d- deal. Daniel Bellinger did some good things at tight end as a rookie. I think they could be in the Dalton-Schultz market, at the, our top tight end on the free agent board. Schultz may be coming in as uh, – he's the best all-around tight end, right? Again, he's not a great receiver – He's a good complimentary option. He's a solid blocker. I can see Schultz coming in to pair with Bellinger as a one-two punch there. Bring in a, bring in a big receiver and get that passing game on track. I would also sign and go out of my way to sign Deontay Hardy from the New Orleans Saints. You love Deontay Hardy. That guy's really, really good, and I think is capable of doing a lot more than he's been given the opportunity to do in his career so far. A big fan of all the Deontay Hardys, a guy that's – and an outstanding punt returner, but like a legitimate deep threat. And to the point where he runs his deep route so well, he gets open on comebacks all the time as well. Like he, yeah. he creates free, free receptions. And you have to assume the Saints are not interested in bringing him back because they got the emergence of Rashid Shahid last year. So Hardy's on the out, at which point, pounce. That's your guy. Go get him. The top free agent on their defensive side of the ball, uh, ball is Julian Love, friend of the show. Was on the show a few weeks ago. I'd bring back Love to play safety. Um, I like what they have on the defensive side of the ball. I think you have to continue to add depth at corner. Fabian Moreau hits free agency. They um, they have invested a few draft picks the last couple of years at corner, but would bring some more people in in the secondary as well. Mm-hmm. We got this dude trolling us in the uh, – did we, we booted him from the chat. We should have kept him in there. He was telling us how bad the podcast was. It's it's bumping the numbers. You know, it bumps the uh, virality hmm. of the show. Getting Should've crashed? Left yeah. Well, just because it's 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 making seem like the chat's lively, <laughs> we get the free uh, the free comments in the chat. So feel free to slam us as long as it improves the the algorithm. I know we've said Osiris Osiris, Osiris Torrance for a lot of everybody yeah. guard needy teams, uh-huh. but is this the best fit though? The Giants, the way they you know want to run a little bit with with Daniel Jones and everything. I mean, they definitely need that interior presence. Like they need someone that can come in and do that. So sure. It's a weird year this year because he's the only guy 
that we have on the current PFF big board that's even vaguely approaching first round yeah. kind of status when you consider, you know, 31, 32 first rounders. He's number 34 in the big board. The next guy from a guard center point of view is 41, 47, 52, 62. So there's only those five guys that exist in the top 100 players on the big board. So if you need interior help and you've let it go as far as the draft, you are restricted to a few guys that you're talking about in the first couple of rounds. Are they another Jamel Dean type of fit at corner? Hmm. Press coverage, want to play man. Wink Ooh. Martindale and his aggressive, <laughs> aggressive. There's no point now. Blitzkies. There's no Giants DBs in I the room. I assume Julian and Adoree Jackson are listening now that they're friends of the show. They're going to listen to us, and I don't want to call their schemes crazy anymore. Right. Aggressive. Just to their face. Yeah. It feels like you need to re readjust the timing on that, which is, to me, you can call them crazy. To them, you got to say aggressive. Aggressive. Yeah. Dictate the action. So I would, you know, look at Dean. But look, I think it's got to be some of those offensive line plays that we've mentioned for other teams, a receiver, a Dalton Schultz type tight end. I'd feel pretty good about not as your, like, again, as your third or fourth receiving option. Let Wandell cook a little bit. Get those receivers moving. Move Hodgins. Here's the goal. Move Isaiah Hodgins to your third receiver by the end of the offseason. Let him be your third option. Get two guys better than him. Feel good about Hodgins as your three and, uh, and grab a tight end in there as well. We're working on the assumption that as of right now, he's one. I mean, he was their best guy down the stretch, wasn't he? Sure. Darius Slayton. We didn't mention Slayton yet. They have to bring him back, potentially. That's a tough one because he's always had this great connection with with Daniel Jones. But now, you know, is, is he going to It was survive? Slayton and Richie James. who are, They're both free agents, but Slayton has had a really good connection with Daniel Jones. He's a pretty solid deep threat. But if you're bringing in Deontay Hardy... We don't need Slayton as much. True, true. And we try to unload Kenny Galladay to somebody. Who who is going to take Kenny Galladay <clears throat> off your hands? Uh, the Rams. The Rams are going to take Kenny Galladay. What would that cost? Just them because Matthew Stafford. Yes. You think Stafford is going to say, "I need Kenny." Yes. Huh. Let's I don't ask think him. that's going to happen. All right. If you trade him. You're taking on the ten millions. It's cheap for the Rams. Maybe not in twenty-four. You get a void year. It's it's not that bad for the Rams. <laughs> Probably three million, eight million. You think that's uh, that's going to be Stafford's pitch? Look, it's not that. It's not as bad as you think it is. No, I mean I could talk to Le I talk to Les and see. Hey, do you think do you think he's just a Stafford only guy? And, you know, Stafford didn't connect well with Allen Robinson. Maybe he does connect well with Kenny Galladay. Yeah. I think you're out of your mind, but I appreciate the pitch. I, I you asked like, where would you trade? That's the only option I could think of. Right. And I like the idea that that pitch needs to be Matthew Stafford going in and go, guys, I got a great idea. We're going to bring in Kenny Galladay, right? And then after the laughing has died down, he says, look, take a look at the numbers. It's not as bad as you think. And then it still doesn't happen. But that's, that's how that meeting goes, you know? Just immediate laughter, and then, God, no, 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 look at it. Hear me out here. L run through the numbers. It isn't quite as bad as you think. I'm ready to move on. Okay. ready to move on. Philadelphia, uh, Giants are fixed. Good job, Giants fans. Hope we helped you. And uh, don't bring back Will Hernandez. I wouldn't suggest him for the Giants. Okay. Philadelphia Eagles. How do we get them over the hump to win the Super Bowl? Interesting offseason for the Eagles. We've talked about these other teams not having – 
a ton of free agents. Well, here's what the Eagles have on the defensive side of the ball. Javon Hargrave, Linval Joseph, Kazir White, TJ Edwards, Marcus Epps, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and of course, James Bradbury. They have a whole bunch of backups, guys like uh, Nicobe Dean could step in for TJ Edwards, mm-hmm. right? They've got backups that could step in. Or White. Put him in the lineup. Yeah, in either spot. Um, and then offensively, Miles Sanders and uh, Isaac Sayamalu. Yeah. <clears throat> Andre Dillard as well, former first-round pick at tackle. So they have a bunch of free agents. And then Zach Pascal, who played a ton in the Super Bowl. So they have a whole bunch of free agents. The best thing they did about last offseason, not just A.J. Brown, but just getting players all the time. Yeah. So it's going to be another second and third wave of free agency type of year, I think, for the Eagles. They're in a great spot. Like they've <laughs> Two first-round picks. Yes, which is huge. Um, they they're in they don't have much cap space, nor do they have much ability to free up space. So they the one area where you look at Philadelphia and say they don't have a ton of wiggle room is that cap situation. Like they don't have a massive amount of ability to dramatically change the situation <coughs> as it currently stands, which is they have three and a half million of effective cap space uh, as of and right then- now. So draft pick wise, they only have six total, but, but two of them four, in the first round. Four in the top hundred, yeah, and two in the first round. They pick at ninety four, and they don't pick again until two twenty one. So there's a big gap there. Right. Probably take ninety four, try to flip that, or sixty two, try to flip that into some extra picks, get I mean, some more take, bodies in you there. You can take one of those first round picks and restock the rest of your draft by trading down once. Like Absolutely, they're, they're in a pretty good spot. Um, the other area where I think they're in a pretty good spot is, as you mentioned, most of the areas that they are expecting free agents to walk away they have kind of future-proofed so nicobe dean steps into one of those two starting linebacker spots probably middle linebacker if you're not bringing back tj edwards though i'm kind of curious what his market would be both safeties are headed to free agency um reed blankenship is gonna i would imagine fill one of those spots he played pretty well this year and played a decent amount that i think you can be confident in him going forward they do need that number two corner uh they do need Jordan Davis will obviously, I think, start at the kind of nose tackle spot where you're losing Linval Joseph. Javon Hargrave is the big one where you do need to replace that. Milton Williams was, has been a nice rotational guy for them, but I don't think is the guy that's going to step in and be a 90-plus PFF-graded interior pass rusher. That seems like an obvious spot maybe in the first round for them. Sayomalu is the other guy on that offensive line that's headed to free agency. Maybe if Kelsey retires, you've got to deal with that. Cam Jurgens takes one of those spots, presumably center. So you've yeah, got a look little... at all those draft picks that they have. Right, as the future proof Like yeah. you've got some tinkering around the edges, but you're generally speaking in a pretty good situation. And they're another team that we would expect them to walk away from their running back looking for his big second contract. Yeah, I mean, I think there was so much that we liked about the Eagles offseason. I have, forgive me for continuing to rave about everything that they did, but this is one of those things, right? It was with Jalen Hurts. In his third year, they built this excellent roster around him. A lot of those guys are had their contracts coming up, and they did a nice job restocking, future-proofing, as you said. I don't know that they're going to bring back Javon Hargraves. He's he, J- Javon Hargraves. I expect he's, them not to. Yeah, right. So he's not. He's one of the top free agents on the board. I don't think he comes back. I know in um, Todd McShay's mock draft, uh, Brian Brissy was the guy that they gave him at ten defensive tackle to kind of replace that position. Maybe they go defensive tackle again. But remember, they did get Jordan Davis last year, as you said. But they're always going to try to restock the defensive line. 
Um, at edge, they're looking pretty good with Hassan Reddick, Josh, Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett's coming back, Brandon Graham still kicking. So maybe the interior needs some love. And then secondary, even though they got James Bradbury late, I could see them drafting one of those corners at 10 or maybe a guy that drops at 30. Grab one of those corners, shore up that spot opposite Darius Slay mm-hmm. and build for the future there. So those are a couple things. What do we do with Jalen Hurts? I mean, I think you're going to re-sign him long-term. Now, if you do that now, you can create a bit of cap space by bumping that down the road, um, extending out a lot of money. Let me first, though, because the Eagles, like one of the things we loved the most about the Eagles last year was when James Bradbury got cut very late in the day. They're like, perfect. We got some cap space. We're going to pounce on that. Pennies on the dollar. Now we got a quality starting corner. So from cut candidates this year, let me give you some names that I think would make a lot of sense for Philadelphia to pounce upon if they were to get cut. Uh, number one, Michael Brockers would be an interesting player for them who is not has not come off a particularly good time but has previously shown that he can be a quality starter, depth on that defensive line that they're always big into. Uh, Shaquille Griffin, big money free agent for Jacksonville, hasn't really worked out there at all. Him as that as a sort of retread of the James Bradbury theory where as a number one, not great. As a number two, opposite Darius Slay, much better situation. Yeah. Plus, with one of the best pass rushes in the NFL in front of him, that it, is going to help. And a guy who might not be coming off his best season, but over the right. last three years has shown he's good. That's exactly what they did with Bradbury right. and got good again. And then the third one, uh, Matt Filer, offensive guard. If you're going to yes. let Sayo Malu walk, Filer could come in. Again, cheap deal based off not playing that well for the Chargers last season. Though well even done. Matt, he kind of bounced back and, and finished the year much better than he started it. Him being plugged into the one, quote-unquote, hole on the, the best offensive line in the NFL, I would imagine would play pretty well next year. Well done, Sam. I like that. Thank I you. like that a lot. Good job with adding the cut candidates. I would let you be my assistant GM in here. Sweet. Maybe uh, serving up some names for me to take a look at while I'm busy editing videos for the website. You're, you're finding people for us to sign. I think that's fantastic. So um, <clears throat> let's get to Hertz then. Is he a $40 million guy? Is he a $45 million uh, a year guy? What's the range? I mean, he's whatever you can get him for. <laughs> they're, they're, this is not the Daniel Jones conversation. Like, this is what is the cheapest I can get this deal done for and then pay it? Because, I mean, I think at this point he's earned the big money second contract. And you, you're at the mercy of where the market takes that. He's not going to be a 10-year Mahomes or Josh Allen guy. That's The struggle here is, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson – has five years fully guaranteed. Once we get into this fully guaranteed money, you lose the flexibility, and it's like, here's this cost. It's always going to be the same. Figure it out around him. Yeah, I don't want that with Jalen Hurts, but you also, I don't know that he's also the guy that I want for six or seven years either. No. And Where do it, we want Hurts? It feels like you're in a tough spot because I think everybody's starting point is the Deshaun Watson contract. Like everybody is going into the deal, whether they get it or not, saying, well, if he got five years fully guaranteed at 200 whatever it was, 30, 40 million, that's what I want. So I think that just makes every single one of these contract negotiations quite a pain in the ass for teams because they don't want to do that. And it's actually, it is notable that deals have been signed since then that did not follow that precedent. Like, yeah. you know, Kyler Murray didn't get the five-year fully guaranteed contract. But I would imagine that's where every conversation starts. So Kyler's on seven years and he's going to have a, a- simple cap hit year here this year in year two 
But going forward, Kyler's going to be 51, 45, 55, 43, 46. Like, you're getting up there. Cap's going to go up, so those numbers aren't going to look crazy. Kyler might be a decent structure that we could be looking at Yeah, for uh, for Jalen Hurts, keeping that cap number in the, I don't know, 14 to 18% range mm-hmm. per season. I think that's fair. So we'll uh, we'll work that out with Jalen Hurts. You lose a little bit of the the splashiness of the moves you can make, but I think there's enough splash already made with uh, A.J. Brown coming in. Got to re-up Devontae Smith probably in a couple of years. I'm going to want to keep them together. Um, I want to hedge my bets with Lane Johnson getting a little bit older, even though he's awesome and you know making some money, so bringing some offensive line depth. And I think what you said, what they did last year, scour the cut candidates and those guys that you're not going to lose comp picks, but you're going to maybe bring them in on the cheap. Yeah, where are they going? So their draft picks. Um, they pick, where's their first one? 10? That's 10. the New Orleans Saints pick. So let's assume they keep that one. I'm intrigued by all those corners. The corners. Devin Witherspoon's at six on our board right now. He's just moving up and up. But like as of a couple of weeks ago, he would have been in play at at at, um, at 10. Christian Gonzalez from Oregon's at 10 right now. You know, physical man coverage type of corner. Joey Porter is 21 on our board. Deontay Banks is not on a lot of other boards, but he's 23 for the PFF Renner board. I'd be looking at some of those top corners there. I'd available. love to give them the the new Aaron Donald because he's an undersized Pittsburgh defense He's tackle. the other guy. I would want him over Brissy. Yes. Right? Yes. And doesn't that like... Kalijah Canty. If he's like a turbocharged... So forget the Aaron Donald comps. That's obviously... He just happens unfair. to be undersized and go to Pitt. Yes. Yes. Forget those comps. They're unfair. But if he ends up being a turbocharged version of Milton Williams, that's what they need. They, they, that's what Milton Williams was supposed to be, and he hasn't really become that guy... So if Canty can come in and do that and let them say goodbye to Javon Hargrave, like that's exactly what they want for that spot. I got to find it. September 1st, 2022. What are you finding? I was giving him, I was giving Renner some people to watch this year. The model. Who does the model love heading into 2022? Kalijah Canty. There you go. Renner. Quote. Yeah. He's just so undersized. Hmm. Look at Renner. I mean, he's not wrong. No, he didn't. He didn't dismiss him. And then we, uh, the first person I saw put Cansey up that high was Mel uh, Mel Kiper, the Godfather. Put him at ten to the Eagles in one of his mocks and weeks then ago. For the second pick, I'd be all for trading back and picking up some more, trying to restock. Yeah, the next I like Roundsworth. I like that. I, and, th- and that's the thing, right? Like when you're at this place, that the Eagles have done a great job of looking ahead. When you're in this place where you're going to pay all that money to Jalen Hurts, you know you're going to need more yeah. draft picks and cheaper players. So spin 30 into more picks, maybe even a next year's first rounder. Where are, their next, that again. where are their next two, you said? Um, I have it right here, 62 and mm-hmm. 94. And then okay. they don't pick again until the seventh round right? or late sixth. So, yeah, if you is. could move back from 31. Thir- no, 30. 30. <clears throat> you can move back from 30 and maybe get another uh, pick or two in the second round then I think you can try and future-proof some of these spots, like the extra offensive tackle for Lane Johnson, blah, blah, blah. All right, there we go. Eagles fixed. Yeah. We signed Hurts. We added some depth with some cut candidates, and we're spinning those draft picks into more Doesn't players. That, like, aren't the Eagles a great example of just how freaking hard this is to do year after year after year? Not this, but like maintain an elite roster. Yeah. Right? They're in a great situation. And, ha- and they have the best roster in the league this year after Buffalo started to kind of decline 
phenomenal work. They future-proof this thing, the two first-round picks, the hedge on Jalen Hurts. Like, everything has been great for Philadelphia. And yet you look at this and you're like, okay, you've future-proof most of these spots. You've got ready-made replacements for most of them, but you still need quite a good off-season to make sure that you're not looking next year with actually a couple of glaring holes when these guys yeah. get old or retire or whatever. Like, you can never really have like, one bad off-season screws everything up for any team effectively yeah. you can you can't you almost never have the breathing space to be able to just blow it one year and just goof on the other hand as of a year and a half ago it looked like the eagles were in a full rebuild mode sure and they spun it positively because of so many good moves yeah, including yeah. jalen hurts breaking out right? right including that which was a good process pick by well them. you can quickly fix things but yeah. it is amazing sort of one, even once you've nailed it you've got yeah. yourself in this good position you can't rest on your laurels like it's right. hard to maintain a really good roster for and, any any and, period of time and sorry and just how much scenario analysis you have to do which is looking two and three years in advance and knowing where the holes are going to be mm-hmm. all right let's wrap it up can't believe it's going by so fast uh washington washington commanders yes the last team we're going to fix here in the nfc east let's start with uh who's hidden free agency deron Payne's their biggest name free agent on the defensive line mm-hmm. cole holcomb at linebacker, and then Trey Turner. Some people call him Try, at uh, at guard, along with Wes uh, Schweitzer. But pretty much everybody else locked in. Yep. And now the question is, we're running the team here. We have two big-name quarterbacks on the roster here. Three, really. Now, Heineke's a free agent too, right? And Jake Fromm. Carson Wentz and Sam Howell. Mm. What are we doing at quarterback here, Sam? So they're another team with uh, – they're almost slap bang in the middle of salary cap situation. They've got a couple million worth of space that they can free up a moderate amount, not a ton. Um, so they're not they're not free spending, but they've got some wiggle room. They're also dead smack in the middle in draft capital because they've got the 16th pick and they have eight total picks. So mm. they're just a mid-tier, off-season asset type of team. Perfect. Um I think you presumably have to get rid of Carson Wentz. He's it saves you an absolute shit ton of money, and he's not your quarterback. So bye bye. Yeah, I mean it's saving you twenty six this year, twenty seven next year. Yeah, um, no brainer. Does that make this is why I said at the time the swing that you're taking with Carson Wentz isn't that bad. Now, you always you view it from like, well, I don't think I'm going to get the performance out of him, yeah. which you didn't. You would be right. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a one-year swing. The same way it was a one-year swing by the Colts. It doesn't feel great, but what are your alternatives? I mean, anything. Um, what do you mean anything? Anything. You didn't give Literally me any alternatives anything. at the any- time. Anything's better than Carson Wentz? Yeah. There was no chance that was going to work. All right. I'm going to give you the work. option right now. We're going to cut Carson Wentz and save $26 million. We've got Correct. We've got a ton of money right now. What's our next move? What are we doing at quarterback? Is this? Well, they've already said it's Sam Howell. Sam Howell. We're baby. running. The, we're running the ship here. We're running the show. Okay. So you're, you're steering the ship and running the show. Your uh, your first move is to fire Ron Riverboat Ron because we're not taking that crap. No, no, no. I'm just. Um, I just have more cachet than Ron. Oh. In this uh, structure. See. I'm making just, the personnel you're moves. The power move on Ron. Yeah, yeah. General managers okay. manage generally. Coaches coach. As they say, yeah, I hope that's so I'm gonna, what you I'll tell to. Ron. I'll give. Look, Ron. I'm shopping for Ron's groceries. That's what's <laughs> happening here. Look, Ron. General managers manage generally. Coaches coach. So stay in your lane. 
back in your office. And I, you know we have a quarterback for you. Then I duck. <laughs> you know, I duck, that takes you right into the punch. You're already out of range. True. Can't duck. I could see him more form tackling me yeah. than anything else. No, that would be bad. I, I, so, I don't know. Do we do this exercise based off, hey, we're just going with Sam Howell because that's what they said? No, okay. Let's find them an actual option at quarterback. So, I, I still don't, I just don't believe them, to be honest. So, the, at the risk of making this even longer, yeah. you who likes to look into everything that they say, and they're, you know, let's, let's, look, let's deep dive in here. You're telling me the Washington Commanders, who, when Ron Rivera was at the podium after week 16, uh, 17, yeah. had to be reminded that they're not in the playoff picture. Yeah. And also, because they're not in the playoff picture, might want to start Sam Howell just uh-huh. to see what he has. Yeah. And then Sam Howell goes out there, has a pretty good game on like 22 dropbacks. That's the team that's fully invested in Sam Howell. They needed to be reminded to start him in week 18 to get a look. Mm-hmm. They got a look, which was like half a game's worth, mm. 22 dropbacks, whatever it was. And now they're sold. Sam Howell's the guy. That's it. We, and they went from waiting to the fifth round to draft him to he had a good game in Week 18 against the Cowboys. What else would we do? Of course Sam Howell's our guy. I mean, they might be right, but that's right. how they got to that decision? Yeah. I mean, remember. Remember the narrative on Washington through the season. What were they judging quarterback on? Vibes. The vibes. The vibes around Sam Howell were great in that game. Outstanding vibes. So we're going to ride the vibes. Until the vibes disappear, that's what we're going with. Anyway, 25 dropbacks. My point career. being, I just don't believe that any NFL team is going to work off 25 dropbacks and say that's our starting quarterback from fifth round. I, I just, I'm not buying it. I don't believe it. Like maybe if Sam Howell had been obviously the best quarterback in training camp and had been banging on that door since day one, the way Dak Prescott was, you know, and it was pretty obvious very quickly, Russell Wilson as well, that like, oh, they're the guy. That wasn't the narrative coming out of Washington. Like, we weren't hearing, I know our plan is to go with Wentz and Heineke, but this dude, Sam Howell, in the fifth round looks like a stud. No. So, I'm just not buying that they've decided that, at which point we need to find him a quarterback. This might be the team. Of all the teams we've talked about today that need a quarterback, I haven't thought about every other team. I mean, I've thought about it, but, like, this might be the team that fits Derek Carr the best. Like, if I was running Washington, I might be most inclined to get Derek Carr. In part because they're once again dead smack in the middle of the first round, mm-hmm. right? That's where they drafted Dwayne Haskins a couple of years ago. But when they wanted to move on from Haskins, they were just never in position to draft another quarterback. They might not be again this year. Maybe an Anthony Richardson. You know, again, we would tell you keep swinging and all that stuff if you get the, the option. This might be the team I feel best about for Derek Carr. This is another spot where I would look to take advantage of the fragility and brittleness of Jimmy Garoppolo. I would bring him in knowing that if Jimmy G breaks something, then you get Sam Howell. Then you get a look at Sam Howell. Now, you're probably all fired at the end of it, but you get a look at him. You get to find out. <laughs> you know, And if you're right, if he really was good, then you're fine. Give the next guy a look at it. So I would hire Jimmy G, which I think would cost significantly less than Derek Carr. And... I rely on the fact that Sam Howell probably ends up starting games in that scenario. And that's win-win. So you go Garoppolo, I take Carr. Yeah. So here's the thing. I think Ron Rivera is a really good coach. And I think the fact that Washington has been, I don't think there's that many coaches that elevate their roster, right? And I think 
they've been lacking a quarterback the last few years, right? Say what you want about the decisions and how they did. They've just been lacking a quarterback. But they made a little playoff run with Alex Smith, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Heineke, right? Is that the, the trio? No, it was before Fitzpatrick, but with Heineke. I mean, I, I think Ron Rivera might be able to get the most out of Derek Carr. I think, I think he helps elevate the roster. Like, there's eight to ten coaches who I think consistently get the most out of what they have. And they got a solid roster, and Derek Carr might be the guy that makes them competitive and gets them into the playoffs. Now, I usually do this through the lens of I'm, I'm trying to win a championship. I don't know that Derek Carr is winning the championship for me, but Derek Carr, in my mind, might be a nice little bridge quarterback because we're still in bridge quarterback territory. But it's the best bridge quarterback that they've brought in over the last however many years. Yeah. How's that? I mean, it's, it's not a bad sales pitch. I just for the for the money, and for money for the money and a quarterback that's not taking me where we need to go, i.e. a Super Bowl, I'd prefer a cheaper quarterback that's not going to take me where I need to go. So you might roll with Sam Howell. I mean, I wouldn't like not that cheap because I just don't like. There's a world where Sam Howell's a, a train wreck and the whole thing is a disaster. I think. So I'm going to say I, I would say give me an, you've given me an option. You're going to say Garoppolo. Yeah. Okay. Fair. We have car higher than Garoppolo on our. Free agent board. Would you go Geno Smith? I mean, I don't think. I don't think he gets yeah. out of Seattle, probably. All right. So you're going to go Garoppolo. I'd go Carr. I don't feel great about it. Yeah. I mean, it's different than the Jets. Like, with the Jets, like, you're really trying to get past the Bills and I don't know. Maybe I'm just not setting my sights high enough here in Washington. Should <laughs> we go get Rodgers? We get Rodgers? Yeah. I mean, look, if we're playing this, if we're playing GM for every team, is Rodgers is our, our top option. Yeah. Right? I, I don't know if I want to play the game where we give Rodgers to five different teams, but right. I would still do that, right? Like, go listen to the Jets analysis, apply it here earlier on the show. We would get Rodgers first. I don't know if Washington's going to go that route, though. No. I, it doesn't. They don't seem to be linked with him at all. Like, he, they, they, they're not one of the teams that's come up. It is intriguing for Rodgers, though, maybe being in the NFC more. You get yeah. your one, you get your number one in Terry McLaurin, Jahan, uh, Jahan Dotson at, two, you know, solid O-line. Could be an, a, a good spot for him. Does, just doesn't feel like they're linked at all, though. So maybe I'm leaning toward that too much. What else do we have to do with this roster here? Uh, I mean... Probably letting Deron Payne walk. Yeah, I would say that's probably true. I mean, they need some work. Um, the offensive line, they need to keep tinkering with it. It was okay last year. Not great. I think they can get better there. Deron Payne is a guy you probably need to replace. I know they've got some backup players that um, they can get more playing time that they've drafted. So they've been doing a pretty good job of restocking that. But I think they could probably look to get a starter definitely there. Um linebacker is probably an area that needs to be addressed like there's a big make or break year for Jamin Davis but Cole Holcomb was a free agent as well that's potentially very quickly a, an area that spirals completely to hell Jermaine so, Pratt could be a nice fit in free agency to come in for Washington yeah I keep pointing to Alex Singleton not because he's great because I I want to get the the third class wide uh, linebacker I love because you're white who just signed the one-year deal to the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I'd sign him in multiple places as well. He's another one of my guys as a good, solid option at linebacker. 
well, the like the antithesis of Jamin Davis is uh, T.J. Edwards. Like instead of a super athlete who might not be a good player, let's take a really good player who's not a super Edwards athlete is, at all. He is really good. Um, <clears throat> they do need this uh, starting guard spot. Isaac Sayamalu, we just mentioned that the Eagles probably aren't re-signing or potentially aren't re-signing. Could be a good fit here mm-hmm. as well. Dalton Reisner, if you want to move him. He's a left guard, right? Get him in there as well. You do, do need a starter. I wouldn't hate going to free agency there if I'm Washington. Am I doing Washington in, uh, a disservice here by not thinking big enough? <laughs> Possibly. All right, let's go get I – mean, I would go and get Aaron Rodgers first. That's right. what I would do. Okay. If I can't get Aaron Rodgers – they can actually do pick we, apart. Um, do we roll with Sam Howell? Listen, maybe, is the Sam Howell play one where you're saying maybe we'll pick in the top five next year and we'll get one of those QBs? I just – do they – Nobody's they really trying to do that. Well, not only are they not trying to do that, but I don't think they can. Like there's teams I think that could do that, maybe. The coach has enough, uh, you know, money in the bank that they can – or not money in the bank, enough sort of built-up credit in the bank that they can afford to do that, and they know they're not going to get fired off the back of that season. I don't think Ron's in that bucket. If they go – if they stink and they're in the top five, he's probably fired. I think that's why my, mental, my mentality is Carr, and I think with the Jets, my mentality is Rodgers because Salah's in a make-or-break year, and you have to beat the Bills. I know that the commanders have to beat the Eagles and the whole thing, but the NFC is easier yeah. overall. They could uh, – And could, I think you can – Derek Carr is like a playoff quarterback in the NFC. Washington, to fill a lot of their needs, could actually pick apart other NFC East teams in free agency. Like all the players that the Eagles and the Cowboys are losing actually make some sense in Washington as additions. T.J. Edwards, uh, Leighton Van Der Esch, Kazir White, obviously not all of them. But like if you need a linebacker, half of the NFC East linebackers are for hitting free agency and would be upgrades for you. There, it's, it's a weird spot actually where you could do some damage to your opposing teams, you know, say Amalu, and get better. I think this is another team. Uh, so you're absolutely right. The, the players they could pick up there. I think it's an, also a team that would that would be fun with one of those draft tight ends, um, even a Darnell Washington, the monster. Um, get him in there with Logan Thomas, but just getting uh, another middle of the field threat here, Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, if he's there at the right time. Getting another tight end there. My voice is starting to, uh, it's a two-hour podcast. Mm. I'm starting to lose it a little bit here. Good news because it's the first of four of these shows we're doing. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Uh, Montez Sweat probably needs to get paid, and Chase Young needs to get paid. That's the other thing that's happening I mean, here. Uh, does Chase Young need to get paid at this point? I'm given, paying him. I'd given pay him. what we've seen from him so yeah, far. Yeah, I'd pay him. That's, but that is another big decision. Would you trade one of those guys? massive trade asset with one year remain I mean Chase Young you get the the fifth year soon would you trade one of those guys probably not Chase Young maybe Montez Sweat on his last deal he's really good he's yeah good he's, been, he's one of the more underrated edges in the league but it might be tough to pay all three of those guys mm-hmm. um, and then cornerback still has some question marks as well they could be in the market for those corners at 16 at the draft Devin Witherspoon and Joey Porter and those guys what else you got for me here for the commanders? That's kind of it. All right. <clears throat> Are we content with Garoppolo or Carr after Rodgers? Yeah, I mean, if you're not getting Rodgers, I think Garoppolo is a pretty good option. He's a capable starter. He's, he's got receivers to throw to in this offense. And as I said, you're probably going to get him injured at some point, And then you get to have a look at Sam Howell. <laughs> you improve the offensive line. You give him, you you're know, probably going to get him injured at some point. A little bit of protection. 
the defense should be better. Um, they've got talent there. I think that's not a bad place to go. All right. Well, there we go. Washington fixed playoff team this year, at least. Not setting our standards high. No, no, we're getting Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to the Super Bowl. Listen, we know Jimmy G's made a glass. That's part of Sam's strategy. Right. We understand it that. It is, in fact, the genius of the strategy. So we can get Sam Howell. Yeah. More reps, but then get him some game action as well. And then by next year, maybe we're picking in the top five and we get one of those top QBs. Uh, somebody, if there's new ownership really soon, somebody's got to make a power move to get them out of QB purgatory, though to get them out of this uh, middle class of, of quarterback play. Yeah. That has been their issue for a while. Yeah. All right. That's it. I'm late for a meeting. We've had a great show. We fixed eight teams. There's only 24 more to go. Perfect. Only 23 if you forget the Titans again. Easy. Perfect. So it's our fun series, fixing every team in the NFL, doing it in five minutes or much more. So thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow fixing uh, some more teams in the NFL.